The Robert Scott Bell Show podcast is brought to you by Trinity School of Natural Health and Nutritional Frontiers. Learn more at trinityschool.org and nutritionalfrontiers.com. All right, y'all, it's time for the Sacred Fire Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show this uh, Thursday, the 9th of November, 2023. And we got a lot to talk about with Jonathan Emord, as always, including and especially the Virginia defeat of the Republicans. Is it all bad news? Is there any sliver of good news? Jonathan Emord says, yes. What is it? You're going to find out. Also linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, an article about it. Uh, then we have uh, Don Downs and Kara Downs Bookman, a father and a daughter, talking about his his wife and her mother, basically, uh, the, the unnecessary and other needless death due to uh, hospital protocols. And, man, the collusion with the courts and everything on this is just we've covered it many times. We've got to cover another one to let you know what's going on and pray that this stuff never happens again. Uh, we got a homeopathic hit of the day. <coughs> That's my hint. I just did that for you. What what remedy might it be? Well, we're going to remedy that. Stick around. Say thanks to all those folks who make this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty possible. When you go to robertscottbell.com, you'll see banners on the right-hand side. Please click on them, say thanks, and we'll be back with more powerful healing and the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the John, well, of the Jonathan E. Mord Show, yeah. The Robert Scott Bell Show with Jonathan E. Mord right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome everybody to the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We do each and every Thursday here. And momentarily, we'll be joined by my good friend, Jonathan E. Moore, known as the FDA Dragon Slayer and more, running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, the vice presidential candidate under, what was her name? I don't even want to say it. She who shall not be named uh, Clinton, you know, one of the Clintons. Anyway, we've got to talk about what happened in Virginia. I know that Jonathan has a unique perspective on it. I uh, give you a perspective as well that uh, Jonathan is still in it to win it. There's no issue there with what happened yesterday. In fact, maybe learn some things uh, to be even more efficient in, in terms of the message and messaging, although it's consistent with Jonathan E. Moore. So we'll cover that and a number of other stories here as we bring Jonathan back into the mix. If I can get him up here. There he is, Jonathan. Good to see you, my friend. Hey, look, we we timed it right. I got my 1776 Jonathan E. Moore jersey on today. Yeah, you bet. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's good to be on, Robert. So what's up? Yeah, well, I got back from uh, Phoenix. We had a nice uh, a conference where um, uh, your friend and mine, Jack Wolfson, was there, and he actually was Great. vocal on stage when he was speaking, as well as I was, to let that those folks out there know about you and your candidacy and how important it is for health, freedom, and more. And so that was cool that even though you weren't there physically, you were there with us. And we've got other events that uh, everywhere I go, you're there. So here we are today, and I, I got to start with the opening. It's like on one level, and I know that mainstream media reporting is never fully accurate, but the way it's being presented it was a total shellacking of Republicans in Virginia, Governor Yunkin, abject failure. I mean, all the worst and the worst of the worst. So you can give us a cogent and uh, uh, sober observation, uh, you know, running as a Republican in Virginia for a, a, a kind of a, a national office, but as the U.S. Senator for Virginia, uh, what have we learned? What did they do wrong? What happened? You know, these kinds of things, even questions of 
ballot legitimacy? Are there any concerns or suspicions there as well? So um, let me know what's happening. Well, uh, the Republicans lost the Senate and the House in the state, uh, but only by, uh, you know, one or two uh, seats. So it was a very close race. It was known from the start that it would be a close race. But frankly, the Democrats had massive sums of money. And in every major contested race, uh, they outnumbered the Republicans in their ability to finance advertising and so on. So, for example, in Northern Virginia, Juan Pablo Segura was running for the state Senate, a really excellent candidate. And they falsely labeled him in ads that ran as being in favor of an abortion ban. That is a complete ban. But he wasn't. He was in support of the governor's position, which was that there be a ban at the point of a heartbeat and forward. 15 weeks allowance of abortion and then it would be prohibited. So he didn't stand for what they labeled him as standing for. Now, the fact of the matter is uh, there's also underreporting about good things. So in most of the state, the Republicans overwhelmingly won. It's in Northern Virginia where they they uh, the Democrats succeeded, but they didn't report upon one race that is really uh, a little bit of a bellwether, I believe, for the federal elections in 2024 that I'm running in the those elections. So mm-hmm. a woman named Buda Biberej, Buda Biberai or whatever you call her name, uh, who is the existing Commonwealth's attorney for Loudoun County, a lost and she is a Soros-backed prosecutor who believes in open borders, uh, is an anti-incarceration person, doesn't believe in prosecuting or throwing in jail criminals, and is also an advocate of defunding the police. Is, now, she, is, she, is her position like a district attorney in Loudoun County? Yeah, it's like a district attorney. Okay. So so. She, she has presided over a massive increase in criminality in the region because she won't prosecute crime. Uh, a lot of crime, and she won't prosecute a lot of violent offenders. So they're at, back out on the street. Well, interestingly enough, the same population that voted against Republican candidates voted against her by, a again, a small margin, mm-hmm. low voter turnout. It was a small margin, about uh, 51%. Uh, her opponent won by 1,000 votes. Was this like a Republican candidate? Who, Buddha? Buddha. No, the, the one who won. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he, okay. his name is Bob Anderson. He's the former Republican Commonwealth's attorney many years ago and uh, was a good Commonwealth's attorney, good prosecutor. And the people voted for him. So that what is that an indication of? It's an indication that the people uh, by, by a majority uh, oppose the very same agenda that mm. the Kane advocates. So Tim Kane is also a Soros-backed candidate. Tim Kane is, you know, buddy buddy with Alex Soros and George Soros, and has raised money over the years for the Democrat Party and for himself from the Soroses, and is linked to them on all the issues. So, for example, their whole uh, globalism, uh, you know, concept of denying individual sovereignty to the United States and favoring international law and agreements and open borders and defunding the police and uh, also uh, the whole uh, agenda for um, uh, 
you know, denying people their their rights uh, if you're victims. That whole thing has been consistent with the voting patterns of of Tim Kaine, and he mm-hmm. is a buddy buddy with the Soroses. So mm-hmm. a picture of him on Instagram on Alex Soros's Instagram page, done when he was running as vice president. And Alex Soros says effectively there, you can look at it. He has a great, they're both grinning, uh, standing next to one another. And uh, and he says, I love him. I love, uh, Alex says, I love uh, <laughs> Tim Kaine. Um, the point is, they're very close, and they have been. And, of course, he he used to be the head of the Democratic National uh, Committee mm-hmm. raised money from the Soroses for Democrats nationwide in that capacity. So he's very familiar with them, and they are with him. And that's a real disadvantage for him in light of what happened in Loudoun County. Of course, in the rest of the state, they're appalled at his relationship with Soros. And every time I mentioned it, mentioned it, people right. are angry because they know Soros is against America. So what, what I'm hearing, Jonathan, is there's some messages that resonate with the Northern Virginia Democrats who have voted largely Democrat for some of the things that we've heard about. But in one particular instance, there was something that hit them and struck a chord with them to say, you know what, in this case, we're going to lean the other way and go with a Republican candidate. Uh, Of course, when it comes to the abortion issue, uh, for whatever reason, these Dems can be rallied around that. All they need to hear is this Republican candidate wants to ban all abortions. And suddenly they're like, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters to them. So strategically, in terms of communication, Maybe these candidates didn't have enough like this particular one that lost up there to counter the misinformation coming from the mainstream media that obviously leans left Democrat pro-abortion. Is there a way that you can communicate more effectively the position that is not an outright ban, of course, at a state level issue that might might have an appeal, the, the heartbeat low? I, I don't know the answer to this. Well, I'm asking. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm very forthcoming with my position on this issue and have been since the start of the campaign. Um, here's the situation. The Constitution of the United States does not include any power over the issue of abortion. It is a health and safety issue that the Founding Fathers intended to be dealt with at the state level. They never intended there to be a national health and safety czar who would decide for the for the entire country what uh, health and safety measures would be undertaken. And that even included abortion. They were not, uh, you find nothing in the debates, nothing in the Founding Fathers' writings pertaining to the federal government that at all in any way addresses abortion or a right to privacy. So the Dobbs decision got it right. The Dobbs decision said that there is no federal power over this issue and that therefore uh, they overturned Roe v. Wade, which had established based on whole cloth creation, even whole cloth creation that Ruth Bader Ginsburg objected to, uh, that, uh, there was a right to privacy in the Constitution that was specifically intended for the protection of uh, a child uh, through uh, the the uh, viability, at which point the child would be, I mean, viability would be protection forward, but up to that point, abortion would be allowed. So in any, in any event, that was overturned. The law of the land is that abortion is to be dealt with on a state-by-state basis, the voters of Virginia voted last night on principally on this abortion question. They voted against a change in the law that the governor had recommended. And therefore, they have decided at least for two years now, probably, 
what the status is of abortion in Virginia. Now, I am personally opposed to abortion. I don't believe in abortion. I think life begins at conception. Uh, yet I am also a person who loves and reveres the Constitution of the United States, and I don't believe in arbitrary assertion of power. And I don't believe that we should amend the Constitution through the courts. And that's what would happen if we try to create some sort of law that is not constitutionally founded, mm -hmm. that addresses abortion on the federal level. So I am against any law about abortion coming from the federal government. And I believe that the, in the case of Virginia, the people have spoken and they have said that they don't want the law to change. I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. And as a citizen in Virginia, I voted against that. I voted for the position of the governor and others, and I'm not fully in favor of the governor's position because, again, I don't believe that we should arbitrarily say that you can abort a fetus up to 15 weeks. But having said that, mm -hmm. the law of Virginia is unchanged and the Constitution vests in the states the power to decide the question. Mm -hmm. And I respect the law and I respect it the Constitution. There so lies the, the, the answer to my question in terms of this controversy specifically in your uh, election that if asked or when asked about your position on abortion, um, you believe that there is no federal role in determining it. It's a state level issue. And the people of Virginia thus far have decided you have a personal right. view that may be different, but uh, you're not going to go into the federal uh, level at the Senate, U.S. Senate and start trying to make a, a constitutional change that would impact the, the votes that happen in Virginia on this issue. So I think that neutralizes that in terms of the mainstream media attack on you in that way that, that you know, may have worked against those Republican candidates in Northern Virginia specifically. I need to be clear about this. You know, on a personal level, I have faith. And, I, and under my Christian faith, uh, there is no way that I personally could ever condone or allow or vote in favor of uh, allowing abortion in instances other than the life of the mother. Uh, and that's the way I, I believe. But the fact of the matter is the Constitution clearly vests the power in the states to decide this. And the voters of Virginia have decided it. And they've decided it in a way contrary to what I would like. But I respect the rule of law. I mean, mm -hmm. unlike my, my uh, Democrat opponent, I respect the rule of law. I respect the Constitution, and I will follow it, even if I dislike it. And so in this case, I've been overruled by the people of Virginia. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we can disagree, and we can continuously argue and will argue over this point. And at some point in the future, maybe a majority will agree with me. But until then, I, you know, I'm horrified that there will be people who rather than adopt uh, rather than allow a child to be adopted, will choose abortion. Mm. Uh, that's really something I think is morally repugnant to me. And really I, I infanticide is not something I agree with. Tim Kaine has well, voted yeah. for a bill called the women's health protection act on the federal level. And again, I don't believe there's any power to vote for any such bill, but that bill would allow abortion all the way up to birth. And he said that he was a Catholic. He started right. off his career when he ran for mayor of Richmond, said, I'm a Catholic and I'm pro-life. Then after that, it uh, became politically inconvenient for him as the Democrats turned further, farther and farther away from 
his position. And so by the time he ran for vice president with Hillary Clinton, he not only had to drop his position that he was personally repugnant to him, couldn't articulate it because they didn't want him to do it, mm-hmm. but also he had to prove his bona fides to these people by voting for the Women's Health Protection Act and for infanticide, for allowing abortion even at the time of birth. Well, this is this also is why, folks, I know many of you have given and donated and, and invested in the future of America with Jonathan Emord, his campaign, Emord for VA.com. Part of the strategy is being able to counter the narrative of the mainstream bias, the media bias against uh, conservative constitutional candidates like Jonathan and others, and to be able to do that. Now, Jonathan is hitting a lot of uh, podcast sites, radio shows, everything to counteract it, and uh, I'm glad of that. And uh, you appeared apparently on Fox and Friends in the morning on the day of the election, which was fascinating that that happened. I'm, I'm curious. I want to hear a little bit more about that as well. But again, support Jonathan in that way. And also, if you're in Virginia in particular, or you know, people in Virginia, please reach out. Let them know Jonathan's running. There's still a lot of folks that don't know. And we still have time, but uh, I don't want you to sit on and wait till the last minute. Let's build that awareness now and let people know that, yes, he is a, a beyond viable candidate. He's the candidate that can tip the scales in the U.S. Senate uh, to, uh, you know, back toward the Constitution. There are people in there that have a, a kind of a relative uh, friendliness with the Constitution or more that would be strengthened and emboldened by Jonathan being there with them. Uh, so we continue to support that as well. But I, yeah, I'm get, I appreciate the, the, the assessment that you're giving me. It's giving me a different perspective than obviously what we're hearing in the mainstream media. That it's just like a clear, oh, this was a failure for Republicans. Like, well, let's talk about the nuances of the elections, the campaigns, the issues, how they were laid out and, and the reason it, for the losses. Clearly, it's clearly unfortunate for Republicans that they didn't gain the Senate and keep the House. I mean, we were all anxious to see Governor Youngkin succeed in his campaign to flip the Senate and, and uh, hold the House. And uh, I, I worked all the way up till the time of uh, the completion of the voting cycle at 7 p.m. at night mm-hmm. to try to help that happen. But you know what? Uh, they, ha- they had so much money and they really did a number in advertising uh, and they falsely portrayed the governor's position and Segura's position as a complete ban uh, when it was not. Now, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they really did need to clamp down on abortion. And I don't at all favor an instance where you get a situation in the state where people are allowed to abort even at the time of birth. Um, and that, I think, is just outrageous. But, you know, the Democrats were taking that position very strongly. And Northern Virginia is heavily Democratic. But when it comes to future elections, this one's decided this question. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. at the expense of every other critically important issue for Virginia, because all these people they've elected, I mean, my goodness, a lot of these folks will form a iron wall against tax reduction, against efforts by the governor to increase law enforcement protection for people, against efforts by the governor to interdict the teaching of critical race theory and and uh, and transitioning and and also, uh, you know, biological males entering girls and women's bathrooms and locker rooms and sports, all that the governor would have been able to prevent to help people in northern Virginia who are very much concerned about that and who are experiencing the brunt of it, because right now the Fairfax and Loudoun County public schools 
If you say you're, if you, if you're a male and you say that you identify as a female, you can go right into the girls' locker room, right into the girls' bathrooms. And as we know, in Loudoun County, they already had a rape in one uh, high school. Mm-hmm. And then that boy was allowed to go back into school in another high school. And he committed a second sexual assault. So this, of course, is going to increase. And imagine if you were in our situation here and your daughter uh, went to a public school. I pulled her out for this reason. Mm-hmm. And my son, too. Um, and you would be fearful every day that if they went into the bathroom and there's some nut who's trying to get in there, all he has to do is say that he says, says he identifies as a girl and they, that guy can get in there and attack uh, girls and they're not safe. Mm. So this is a real crisis, particularly given the fact that there's sex trafficking in every high school in Northern Virginia, uh, every, every high school in Fairfax County, right inside the schools. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of uh, women's rights. Women are being denied the protection of their rights and their safety. And mm-hmm. this is a horror. There and are the, 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 their vote in Northern Virginia, the, the Democrats uh, voting in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. They they voted to prevent the governor from having a, a allowance of 15 weeks on an, on abortion. And they chose to vote against all that because they wanted to. uh take a stand. But the fact is, they've now destroyed the possibility of having any protection for girls in the yeah, school. And I think that bodes well. I mean, fighting inflation, yeah. the governor had a, an agenda to cut taxes and to reduce uh, restrictions on fossil fuels and so forth. And all that is not going to happen now because of the Democrat uh, control of both houses. I think it bodes well for your election, though, because there'll be more reality checks among the Democrats, because many of these Democrat mamas and dads did not like a lot of the transgender stuff going on and the claims of, you know, you could claim to be a girl and you're not. So overall, they traded it on this this abortion issue that was overblown by the media and not what it was actually being presented. And now they're going to have to think about, hmm. It's going to be a little bit more awkward, but maybe, and again, in favor of you as a candidate as well. Well, I think so, because now uh, Mm -hmm. voters are put in the position of having no alternative if they want to see this stop than to vote for me, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm the only candidate with a clear position under the law how to achieve an end to transitioning, making it a federal felony for anyone to aid or cause the transitioning of anyone under the age of 18, and of reinterpreting and amending Title IX against the reinterpretation by the Biden administration so that it protects girls and women so they have private spaces and are not at risk of rape or sexual assault by ensuring that they have their own bathrooms and locker rooms and sports teams. And I can achieve this only now for Virginia by federal legislation because it's not going to be possible to get it through the state house. So we end up in a situation, I think you're quite right, which is that our candidacy, my candidacy, ends up being critically important much stronger because of this now for any any rational person in virginia because i'm the only option you have to actually protect girls and women Mm -hmm. uh, and also ensure that there is action against inflation that there's action against the borders to ensure the borders are are secured instead of wide open and to protect us against inflation by cutting government spending and ensure that we have access to fossil fuels so the price of gas goes down from four to four and a half dollars a gallon back down to two dollars yeah. a gallon. 
So hey, Jonathan, can- I just got word we got the uh, the video clip of you on Fox and Friends from the other morning. Okay. Just a 30-second clip, y'all, but check it out. He's, he's making inroads. This is great news. We're going to see EMORD for U.S. Senate everywhere soon. Uh, so, uh, Super Don, if you can play that clip. Can I see your hands? Who's already voted? Who did early voting? All right. Let me see the hands. Who early voted for the first time ever? All right. This guy right here. He was the closest to me. He's also running for U.S. Senate next year, right? That's right. What you know, so many Republicans like to vote. I I can tell you're a Republican. Uh, They like to vote on Election Day. How hard is it going to be to train the country to vote early just to be safe? It's difficult. People get uh, accustomed to the ways in which they operate. And so we have to convince them that in order to win, we've got to be assured of the vote and we have to get it by early voting. Indeed. Nice. You you were just so smooth there. And right next to you, Emord for U.S. Senate hat. The guy was wearing next to you. That was awesome. So that may that be the first of many appearances there and more. Uh, yeah, right. well, I, I was delighted. And, and Steve Ducey is a gem. I mean, yeah. he really is a, a true professional, but also a wonderful person. And you get to see we had an opportunity to interact with him a little bit. And the people in the crowd did, too. Everybody came out of that thing saying, my goodness, what a cool dude uh, Steve Ducey is. But uh, yeah, it's um, and that was a cool diner, too. And a lot of the people there were great. A lot of them I had seen, you know, over the over the course of my campaign so far, I've come mm-hmm. into contact with probably at least half of the people in the diner. So it was kind of interesting to keep in, you know, people coming up and say, hey, Jonathan, coming over and talk to me. And so I, I think we are really in the driver's seat, Robert. Yeah, um, I'm encouraged. Things planned to increase our name recognition in Northern Virginia, but in the rest of the state, uh, by far, we're the front runner. Yeah, people in the rest of the state are strongly pro emord in this race. So when is when is the the primary yeah. in the new uh, year? June the eighteenth. Okay, so we, the beginning January one, we have to get uh, collect all of the signatures for the ballot. Okay, so That's there's still the work to be done. Initiative. Yeah. Well, That's anything good. I can do to help, we put the word out. Y'all in Virginia, get ready. It's it's on. It's growing. It's going. All right, I got to ask you a, a legal legal questions now. Uh, this is about you know, COVID injury lawsuits about the vaccine. Now, normally, as we said, the Pandemic Preparedness Act, the PrEP Act, and 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 those vaccines that are on the schedule, CDC, ACIP have said, you know, they've got the NBI, uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. <clears throat> so you can't technically sue them. But apparently, this is what's been claimed, that some attorneys see, feel that they've pierced the invincibility or the, uh, the lack of liability because they say fraud has been uh, uh, conducted or engaged in. And there are suits now that are tar- targeting directly these manufacturers that say normally, hey, you can't do that because we're, we're protected under the PrEP Act, for instance. And I don't know if you've looked at any of these things, if there's enough evidence to show fraud that that, that could now happen, that we can make these companies liable for the injuries from the, uh, the products that they put out on the marketplace. Well, it's a hard argument, Robert, under existing law. Uh, they're arguing two principal points, an absence of due process and a violation of your right to a jury trial. Um, I would love it if a court would go that way. I I just, it's so hard to get a court to do something unconventional and to decide a case on one of those two grounds. Uh, So I I fully expect probably sort of a knee-jerk response to this. I imagine it'll be decided on a motion to dismiss and will be ruled against. 
I wish against all odds that that's not the case and that these good lawyers will find a way to persuade the court to accept the arguments. And um, in the in any event, uh, once I get in there, I'm going to work like the Dickens to get rid of this whole ridiculous limitation on liability for these corporations. We have so many people who've had adverse effects from the vaccine, mm-hmm. and we're learning every day more and more information that enables us to understand just how bad mm-hmm. uh, the vaccine is. I mean, not least of which is the most recent information about the extent to which DNA fragments are in the vaccine and could cause damage to your own DNA. Well, and that, I think that what you brought up is part of the evidence, or as they're saying, of fraud. It's like you guys didn't tell us this was in here, right? There was yeah. no re- reveal. And and so could that be argued as a way to pierce the veil of invincibility, so to speak? And as you're pointing out, maybe, but the courts have given great deference to these protection, prep protection acts and, and a, you know, holding off liability of big pharma that they might be biased against even acknowledging the fraud that has been perpetrated. Or will they say it's an accident and oops. And so it wasn't fraud. Um, I think more likely they'd say that the, these factors were taken into account and were deemed to be innocuous or not harmful. Mm. Um, I think they'll probably just accept the government's evidence and defer to it. Uh, and they will. The easiest court course for a court is to just uphold the immunity from suit. So I think mm-hmm. you know that that would be that if you had to place a bet on it, I, that's where the bets probably would lie. But boy, wouldn't it be great if a court had enough uh, stamina to say, "Okay, look, this really is a violation of your right to a jury trial because there has been fraud committed and." That's a crime, and and under the under the Constitution, you have a right to a jury trial when there's evidence of criminal conduct. Um, but I, I just it's such a hard thing because recognize too that by doing that, if you open the floodgates to litigation with all of the adverse event reports that have come down, the courts would be inundated, and the whole statutory uh, scheme for the immunity would be rendered moot. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why it's it's highly unlikely that a court will go down that path. Having said that, that's exactly what we should do in Congress. We need to pass legislation to repeal the protections given to the industry so that people who are injured can actually get their, their compensation. It's not like the vaccine was a bust in its financial benefit to these companies. These companies have made trillions off of the vaccine. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about trillions. Since you bring that word up, economics, there is. And this is one of the things when we talk about the Federal Reserve System, I grew up completely ignorant of it. Most of us in America did thought the federal was federal and had reserves, (laughs) you know, find out, you know, reading G. Edward Griffin and other stories. Ron Paul, of course, elucidated a lot in his his book and the Fed um, that this institution was a privately held bank consortium and, and it's connected to international and globalist uh, agendas that are not nationalistic at all, not in favor of the United States, uh, you know, talking World Bank and uh, IMF, International Monetary Fund. Now, when they started raising interest rates, which I guess you could say technically uh, the way they were running a monetary policy so loose that they were just print and print and print. And so inf- inflation was inevitable, but people uh, mistake the higher costs uh, as inflation rather than the symptom of inflation, right? The reduced power, purchasing power of the dollar. 
But the raising of the interest rates would necessarily also raise the payment on the debt that the U.S. government holds. And now there's an article here in U.S. Uh, uh, well, Yahoo Finance says U.S. debt interest bill rockets past a cool one trillion a year that in order to manage the debt, you have to keep paying it. And the more they raise interest rates, the higher the payments are going to be now a trillion dollars just in interest a year. This becomes so untenable that what's left to do if you are in charge of, of government? How do you distract people? Do you do you declare wars? Do you declare pandemics? Anything to a, except to address the, the, the economic elephant in the room that you can't keep doing this and be a viable country. You can't survive this. Well, recognize that the the true budget of the United States, gross as it is, is somewhere around four trillion a year, uh, for which uh, you know over half of that is in tax receipts, um, and you've got a situation with interest where you have eight eight hundred and some odd billion in actual interest payments last year or this 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 coming year it'll be even higher and that is higher than the defense budget robert that's right. higher than the whole defense budget this is un, unsustainable this is a situation where the cost of the money that we're borrowing is equal to a huge outlay annually equivalent to the whole defense budget of the united states which is a big amount of money, it's 600 and some odd to 700 billion a year. This exceeds that at 800 and some odd billion a year and will continue to grow till it tops the trillion dollar mark. And the point is it's unsustainable. And what it means is that our credit rating as a nation will continue to go down. It's already been dinged once and it'll continue to go down. What does that mean? That means that the ultimate reserve currency of the American dollar disappears. Well, you know what? It's already disappearing mm -hmm. as the Chinese replace the American dollar around the world with their business dealings with other countries. So we are in a situation where we have it within our power right now to stop this by dramatic reductions in federal spending and by eliminating unnecessary agencies and departments and by ensuring that we devolve to the states many functions and by also privatizing a lot of this and getting government out of the way. That will help to build a massive economy, an economic boom, if we cut taxes at the same time and cut regulation mm -hmm. at the same time, we will inspire a growing of the American economic pie, which will enable us through taxation to pay off this debt and to substantially reduce the deficit spending, which would then ultimately lead, we would hope, to a balanced budget. And if we don't go in that direction, we will lose our position in the world. And you know what's gonna that means? If we lose our position in the world, everything we buy and everything we in, you know that we're mm -hmm. have to pay for, uh, in you know mortgages, whatever, significantly. Yeah, we're talking so the, a standard of living, the unprecedented drop in a standard of living that we've enjoyed yeah. in America, uh, where we've been the envy of the world, of course, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, if you want to destroy that, just keep on spending. And I'm, I'm talking to Republicans, too. I mean, not since 1996 or 97, maybe 99. We, we, it's been a very long time since we've had a normal budget process in the Congress of the United States where they actually look at uh, the costs of everything and evaluate those things and determine whether we have adequate revenue for it and then determine what needs to be cut. 
Instead, they operate on continuing resolutions and have since, what was it, 1999. And that, can you imagine? We've never done, and the Constitution requires the budget process. It requires us to do that. And, and the Congress of the United States has not done it since 1999, has passed these unconstitutional continuing resolutions. And so this has got to change. The fundamental nature of our government has to change. We have to downsize. We have to reduce the cost of government. We have to reduce the size and scope of it. We have to liberate the marketplace. If we do it, if we do it now, in the next couple of years, if it's done, then what does that mean? That means economic recovery. That means economic growth. That means prosperity for the American people. That means a balanced budget in time. But if we don't, if we don't, we're too close to the precipice on this. We're in a situation where the economy is going to start tumbling and, and we, won't, we won't be able to stop it. So I'm just hoping and praying that people will realize that these are the decisions that have to be made in order to elect people like me and get me in there so that I can fight like the Dickens to stop this and save our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so mind boggling for me to think that people just uh, don't have a direct interest in saving their own country. We've got to, you know, we have to recognize how serious the threat is and we've got to stand up. We've got to speak out and we have to vote and make sure that we have good integrity in voting too, to make no. sure it can get good people in office, make sure that they can take care of the problem for us. Well, who is uh, really able to withstand the, I guess, the entitlement uh, of Americans? They expect so much from their government that is not really supported by the Constitution itself, but they become accustomed to it. So even Republicans are often loath to uh, actually propose genuine cuts because immediately the Democrats say, what, you want to starve grandma? You want to end social security? I don't know how far you want to fall before you, the whole economy collapses. I don't know what they want to do, but I'll tell you yeah. this. Take a look at California because it's going to go first. Watch what happens to California. You got right now an exodus of business, right? And all the profit centers in California are bolting. And then what do you have? You have a population of homeless people and you have a population of people who are on government uh, payments of one kind or another. And so you have a population that is comprised of a majority of people who are dependents and a ever shrinking minority of productive people and companies that are leaving in droves. So the revenue base in California is shrinking dramatically at the same time, their commitments to social services continue to rage on and grow. Because hmm. then what they end up with is only people who are taking money, right? No one's putting money in. No one's earning enough. You have high taxes, but it's not high enough. And it can't be because every time you raise taxes, more people leave. Mm-hmm. So they end up with a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom which a is negative tax base where it's only takers and no yeah uh so and, and, and this and that means you you're you're on you're a dependent in california mm-hmm. and you don't get the, the services you don't get the money that you've been promised by the government right. and this was ron paul's point but it asked people and even republicans to grow up and put on their big boy and big girl pants to be mature adults to say look if we don't do this what you're describing this is what's going to happen you you're saying that republicans or me as a republican at that point just argument would say i want to starve you now the question is do i 
No, that's silly and absurd. What I'm saying is if we don't restrain the growth and the spending, that which you expect every day or every week or every month or every year from the government is no longer there and you will starve. If we have a viable uh, economy, then you you likely won't. But I don't know that people are able to communicate or hear it very well. Jefferson knew and said the government was a parasite. I mean, that really is the relationship. Government doesn't produce anything of wealth. Government sucks the life's blood out of the economy. Now, we tolerate a parasite so long as we can we can live with it. But when a parasite becomes larger than we are, when it sucks all the life's blood out of us, it becomes a mortal threat. And that's what's happening. We have a government that is so big that is consuming so much money and is expending so much money that you end up with a host, us, the taxpayers, incapable of supporting it, incapable of paying what is demanded. It's so out of touch with reality. So it is killing the very source of the revenue that it must depend upon to fulfill all of these ridiculous statutory obligations. So if you want a vibrant economy, if you want the least amount of unemployment, if you want the lowest levels of people suffering, if you want the highest standard of living, you have to let the engine of economic enterprise run with the least degree of government interference and tax. Mm -hmm. If you do that, Everyone prospers. The only reason why we have such a high standard of living in America, and it's going down during the Biden administration, but the only reason why we've had such a high standard of living in America is because the engine of free enterprise has overcome all obstacles. And we have had a government that has not gone to the extent that it is now going, where mm -hmm. it has interest payments that are approaching a trillion on the debt and where it has no control over spending whatsoever. And not only is that you recognize this, not only are all of these climate change agenda items and so forth crushing the fossil fuel backbone of the American economy and spending is going through the roof, but recognize the added spending that comes when every single person seeking asylum all of those millions and millions, we're talking about 30 million and more, upwards of 60 million by the time the Biden administration ends, people all over this country who are illegally here, and almost all of them will be on welfare because they're as soon as you come across, they put you in the human processing center, they sign you up for welfare, they sign you up for food stamps, they give you cash, they give you a free phone that is apparently indefinitely indefinite use, Mm -hmm. And then they also sign you up for government paid education, government paid health care. And the cost of this is astronomical. It's astronomical in the aggregate when you have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, upwards of $100,000 per person in these benefits that we're paying for. And you take that times uh, $30 million and then add to that $30 million more. And it's indefinite, it's welfare, and it's food stamps, indefinitely. And then they lower the standard for food stamps. So there are people who, who are earning six-figure salaries and they're on food stamps. We can't, we can't allow this to continue because this is the total destruction of our country. That's what this is. It's the bankrupting of America. And it's all saddled on our backs, the productive elements of society that
that actually pay taxes are paying for this. Well, the idea that Social Security will be there for uh, the millennials or anybody after that, I think, is absurd based on the setup. It's a Ponzi scheme. And economically, it's not viable. You have fewer and fewer people paying into that system and more and more people needing to pull out of it. Uh, that just doesn't work. The, you know, the physics of it, the, the law of cause and effect, that real econo- economics, you just can't. I mean, it's a it's a airy fairy pipe dream, but we've got to find a way to get people in America back to an entrepreneurial spirit, a willingness to go to work and and earn a living and and save as well. And yes, there's a viable place for charity and freedom, but not deceptively by theft that promises something that has no guarantee to be given back to you because that that system can be changed at any moment. And you thought you were paying in to get something and you then they change the rules and you don't get it. That's, you know, unconscionable. Uh, now, let's talk about an unconscionable uh, uh, family, the Biden family. Uh, apparently in the House of Representatives, the Republicans, there are subpoenaing uh, Hunter uh, Biden and James Biden in the impeachment inquiry. Are there things that can be learned here that can come out and that would follow on an actual impeachment in the House and a trial in the Senate? Or is this more political theater? No, James Comer is really doing a good job. He is putting these people on the spot. He already has the financial information in large measure, and he knows the amount of uh, uh, corruption here, fraud and bribery and uh, influence peddling and um the amount of money, uh, which is staggering, that they built through this influence peddling scheme is amazing. And these are all unconstitutional. Uh, They're violations not only of the impeachment clause, they do rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanor, but they also violate the foreign emoluments clause because the president of the United States was never able or the vice president to accept um, money from a foreign government whether directly or through a proxy, such as a government-owned entity. And uh, that, that is the uh, history that is going to unfold here. I think we will see that uh, Comer is serious about this, and I hope uh, that our new uh, majority leader in the House, uh, who I fully expect will push this very strongly, will see it through no matter what to a full impeachment of Joe Biden And I would wait until the very last minute of the presidency for him to be removed from office. So Kamala Harris would have a fictive half fraction of a second to be president. That strategy is better. We can't have Kamala Harris as president. So you can impeach him. And then that's important historically to ensure the rule of law. But then when it comes to the Senate trial, of Joe Biden, I would I would I would trigger the vote on his removal from office uh, at the end of his tenure and literally the very end, the last mm-hmm. second. I would have the vote coming right. in uh, last minutes. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the way to do this uh, mm-hmm. and it's to be done. And there's no question. I think the evidence is overwhelming to justify impeachment. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's talk free speech in the time we have left. I think we got about 10 minutes left or so, a little less. But uh, it's always great to have these discussions, intellectual uh, engagements, right? And, and it, for me, it's also an example for others to hear the thought process behind what we believe in. Or, or do we take a principled stance or are we just politically expedient, holding our finger to the wind and saying, oh, well, the trend is here. We go there. I mean, I know that's not you. That's not me. But still, we have some interesting, uh, uh, let's say, discussion points uh, regarding what's going on in the House of Representatives now. Uh, let me see if, this, or is this in the Senate? 
Um, let me see. I just had it up and I lost it. My apologies. Maybe I don't want to talk about it after all. <laughs> it's about the censoring. Yes, this is it. The, oh, yeah. how, how censoring Rashida Tlaib over Israel remarks. Now, I am an advocate, as you are, of freedom of speech. You can say things that are horrible and even wrong, and I will defend your right to say those things. Now, where do you draw a line in the House to go, I'm going to censor you because I don't like what you said about Israel. I I don't know the answer to that because I don't try to pay attention to Rashida Tlaib. She's a little bit annoying. That's an understatement. But at the same time, you know, the role of, uh, of censoring remarks, is it more political than real as opposed to, yeah, she has the free speech right to be, uh, you know, abhorrent in some way, shape, or form. I don't know what your perspective is on this. Well, uh, Thomas Massey takes the position that she should not be uh, uh, censured for her statements. Uh, the problem with this situation is that it's more than just words. Mm-hmm. More than just words. She is actively providing aid and comfort to terrorist organizations that are so identified by the United States government, they're enemies of the United States. So this is far closer to a treasonous act in my judgment than it is a a, a statement of political opinion. The reason is that using her office, using her connections, flying over there, actually integrating herself with Hamas, with Uh, Hezbollah with Islamic Jihad, with Palestinian resistance to the Israelis, um, is her modus operandi. Outside of her office, you'll find a a Palestinian flag. She regards herself as a Palestinian more, in my judgment, than an American. All right. Well, she can talk all day long about uh, her opinions and political viewpoints. But she can't do do what is aiding and comforting an enemy and assisting that enemy in achieving an objective that violates American foreign policy and uh, threatens the state of Israel and the United States. She is doing that in my judgment. This is part of a long pattern of aid and comfort that she has given uh, to organizations that are terrorist groups. These are terrorists. They're they're interested in destroying the United States and destroying Israel. So you cross the line when you do that. When you have an opinion, if she has an academic opinion that says that she disagrees with what Israel is doing, Mm -hmm. also recognize that if she spoke these things on the floor of the House, she would have greater First Amendment protection. But what she has done is communicated this outside, but in with an intent and an actual uh, achievement of giving mm-hmm. aid and comfort to terrorist organizations operating within the United States and outside of the United States against the policy, foreign policy of the United States, and using her position as a member of Congress to do that. That is why I think that I think is appropriate to censure her, but mm-hmm. I would have much more stern in in this and i would have detailed the full extent of her aiding and comforting terrorist organizations that are enemies of the united states she should be under fbi investigation she should be subjected to a critical inquiry to determine whether she's violated laws of the united states 
and then she ought to be prosecuted if she has. Um, this is this is something she's laughing about, frankly. She does not get any serious repercussion. This has just been a slap on the wrist. This is not going to prevent her from saying something in the future or continuing to provide aid and comfort to the enemies of the United States and to Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's unfortunate that, you know, the, obviously this is a very heated thing. Uh, the war, the tragedies that are occurring every day. Um, we have, uh, you know, friends and family members in Israel and and they're all some are fighting as well. And I, I, look, I, I'm not a fan of war. I believe in in defense. There's a you know, a, the, I think Ron Paul talked about the the just war doctrine of Christianity in a sense, in a war of defense. Right. You defend yourself as opposed to going in. And and, you know, there's so much convoluted in the media and 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 more division from those who want to divide us purposefully in the media. And so there's not a discussion like, you know, for instance, as I've said, uh, I'm not a big fan of Netanyahu. I think he did a horrible thing in selling out the people during COVID to, to Pfizer. The deals he made were horrible. And to say it was an abject failure of uh, intelligence to allow the attack to happen in the first place, you know, I call a lot of that into question. But to doing to say that doesn't mean I'm, I'm anti-Israel. I hate Jewish people. I, mean, I have Jewish heritage. But the point is, even if someone is not Jewish and they ask those questions and point those things out, I'm not going to condemn them as uh, anti-Semites. Uh, or anything like that. But but that discussion, that ability to discuss the nuances of these things, there's right and wrong in all of this. To be able to do that and intellectually engage is lost when it's just about vitriol and rage and anger and hatred. And we're seeing such hatred come out of young people. Like, where is this coming from? Hatred for Jewish people now in, on college campuses. What is that? I mean, these people don't even know the history 100 years back, much less 1,000 or 3,000 years back to suddenly go, yes, we are all in with people that are you know, fighting for Hamas, et cetera, who would kill them, too, in a heartbeat for being gay or queer in some way. Israel was provoked and attacked and was slaughtered. I mean, we had one of the grossest, most outrageous acts of terrorism against a country in the history of the world was what happened when Hamas invaded Israel and murdered children, beheaded them, and committed acts against all manner of civilians that were horrendous, rapes and murders and kidnappings of children and uh, women and uh, invalids, beating people to death, uh, burning them alive. We're talking about the horrible atrocities. Atrocities. Yeah. Now, if you defend that, I'm sorry. You do not uh, justify your existence in the human race. If you want to be uncivilized, I guess that's what you do. If you're a college student, you want to endorse that. Remember that those of us who are civilized will not forget. We will not forget that you aligned yourselves with butchers and murderers against innocent people and children and babies. You wanna do that? Okay, we'll take stock of it. But the point is, when it comes to Israel's right to exist and Israel's exercise of its own self-defense in presence of a massive terrorist attack upon it and a war to follow it, Israel is doing what it must do to survive. Israel is doing exactly what any civilization any parent in defense of a child, anyone who was put in this position would do exactly what Israel is doing, which is eradicate the very evil that is the source of the continuing 
and unrelenting threat to their existence. I wish them best of luck. I hope they eradicate Hamas. I hope they eradicate Hezbollah. I hope they eradicate Islamic Jihad and every other terrorist organization that poses a threat to them. Because you know what? We should count our blessings. Because when Israel does that, they will not be here. And you know what's sad? A lot of them are here, and they've been allowed through the open border that we have. Oh, and they've yeah. and allowed in they here. They can be activated. You know, protesters, yeah. I imagine, are illegal aliens who are members of Hamas, members of Hezbollah, members of Islamic Jihad who have come across our border in anticipation during the two-year preparation phase for this act of atrocity against Israel. Well, and also I want to define terrorism in this way where you have, look, if you have warring factions, you have usually an army attacking an army, for instance, you know, those who are engaged in the military action, the kinetic action in a war, when you start targeting civilians in the way that happened, that's different. This is, you know, this can, again, throws out if there are any rules of warfare, you start attacking civilian populations. Now, this also brings up, we're almost out of time here. I apologize, Jonathan. But again, the idea that every Israeli is guilty of anything that ever has been done wrong by their government, as if every American is guilty of everything or anything our government has done wrong, because it's you know all governments are subject to corruption and doing things. We don't deny that. Uh, so at this point, the way they're smearing everybody in Israel as guilty of every atrocity that they would ascribe to whatever atrocities are occurring and denying the atrocity that you pointed out is like one of the most horrific acts of violence against innocent people ever. Uh, so, you know, these are the things that bring up, of course, the anger, the rage, the hatred and all of that, that I'd love to see that we can get beyond. And I know at least intellectually engaging in it may help a little bit. I don't know, but I'm glad we can do it here on this platform and we'll continue to do so. Very good, Robert. I stand with Israel. All right, Jonathan, I love you. Appreciate you, my brother. And thank you for the insights into what happened in Virginia as well with the election and where this is going. Y'all, emord4va.com. I see there's a an event Sunday, November 12th in St. Cloud, Florida. It looks like the Path to Freedom event. So those of you in Florida listening, I know I've got a lot of listeners, Orlando, St. Cloud, all of that, Kissimmee, St. Cloud area. You guys want to check it out. Uh, Path to Freedom event. Go to emord4va.com. Check out the upcoming events and check out the upcoming events at robertscottbell.com. And we'll get together again. we got one more hour broadcast healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks, Jonathan. You bet. And the power to heal politically. Yes, even politically is yours. All right. Hour two commences right about now. I uh, just want to look back a little bit on uh, the, the website. Ask Super Don. I, I can't even load my own website today. Maybe it's coming and going because there's an article there from Jonathan Emord about the Virginia elections, <laughs> right? That was going on. Yeah, so. it's it's not doing well. I've been trying yeah. to trying to do some stuff with it. So hopefully hopefully this is something that is going to be resolved uh, today or tomorrow. That's that's, that's what, what the, we're hearing. What yes. the rumor is. Yes. So a rumor has it, you know, we will be back up and running. We've been transferring or migrating the site from GoDaddy to something more friendly to freedom. And uh, that's that's why. So bear with us. Apologies if you're having difficulty. Uh, but also you can still sign up as far as I know through this 
uh, texting service to get the newsletter. So even if the website is down, we can still send you email alerts and updates you on things that are going on. Just text my initials RSB to 66866. Text the initial RSB, the initials RSB for Robert Scott Bell to 66866. Do it now and uh, you'll get prompted to enter your email address and we'll be able to stay in touch no matter what. Uh, Almost no matter what. I mean, I guess you could say, (laughs) relatively speaking. Uh, All right. So have you ever been so, so your abs are so sore that it's like standing up and stretching is like, ow, oh, ow. I definitely have. Yes. You know that, right? Yes. I did this challenge of the week on Tuesday because, you know, we were flying back in on, on Monday from the uh, Phoenix event where you're in that sit up position and you come up with your, your boxing gloves and you're under the, I don't know what they call the bell shaped ball ball. It's like, um, it's, not, it's not like the heavy bag, the long one, but it's kind of like a, you know what I'm talking about? You, you can hit it, whatever, but you're underneath the thing and you're coming up doing a full sit up and, and doing a double punch into it mm. and going back down to, and each one is one and you have to, you have three minutes to do as many as you could, you can. And, uh, I was like, I don't know, I guess I was uh, tapered down from the weekend and I, I just nailed 112 of those things in three minutes. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh. only 112. Oh, well, oh, man, you're slacking. I know. Well, I'm really pleased because uh, <laughs> at least at this point, I'm in the lead. I'm beating Kiki, who is a machine. She's at a this point, I don't think him. I could do 12, let alone 112. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I got to 50, I'm like thinking, I don't know. I don't know where it is in the three minute round because you just hear it, you know, give you a 30 second window at the end. But I'm at 50. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't, can I get to 100? Because I wanted to get to 100. <laughs> And I kept You're going. You're such going. an overachiever. But now I'm feeling it. I'm just saying, not complaining. It's like, uh, I, I like the fact that I can be, my muscles can be sore and it feels youthful. Does that make sense? That, you know, you work your muscles to the point of soreness. You know what's happening. You're breaking down and you're rebuilding, you're repairing. And I'm thinking, you know, I've talked about this for years, that movement is life. And of course, movement well into your elder years allows for youthfulness in the elder years. Those that uh, are octogenarians and beyond that are youthful still are moving. Many who are still gardening and farming or walking or dancing or doing something or even kickboxing and weightlifting to some degree. So I, I just... <laughs> I know I'm not old relative to some people, but if I remember back when we were kids, super Don looking at our parents when they were in their fifties and maybe sixties, it, it sort of sounded and felt like, wow, that's old. Right. And now that we're here. I'm, oh yeah. No, there's a meme going around. I share it every once in a while where it lists like all the people on the TV shows that we used to watch, mm-hmm. you know, like all in the family and the Jeffersons and all like, like, and it shows what their age was at the time when they were in the show. And right. we always looked at them. We were like, oh, man, they're old, yeah. right? Yeah. And now they're, like, younger than we are now. And it's just like. Whoa. Yeah. It's reality weird. check. Yeah. But I, I'll just say this, not to brag, but to hopefully inspire you. And that means you too, Super D. And we talk about this all of the time, uh, how we have the keys to our own health uh, in, in what we do. And, of course, what we do is based on what we believe. And there are always mitigating circumstances. There are certainly times where. You know, I go, oh, do I really want to get up and work out? But for me, it's I'm engaged in it to the point where I don't dread it like some people do. For me, I look forward to it. It's like, yeah, I love to do it. Not everybody can say that. I acknowledge that. But as I I would ask, just find something that you can do that you don't dread that brings you a little bit of joy in in movement. And, And it could be 
you know, walking on a treadmill while you're reading a good book. I, I don't know. I mean, if the it, trick, the trick to it, at least in my experience from back in the day, is you yeah. got to find your why. If you find the, the why, why hmm. then the rest of it is it's just it sure it falls into place. If you don't find the why, mm-hmm. then you're just like, oh, man, I don't yeah. want to do this. Why am I doing this? You know, it's it's you find the why and it's something that you genuinely Mm-hmm. Uh, very have a passion yeah. about and you set those goals. And then when you reach that goal, make sure you set another goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a whole lot easier. I, I think about, you know, we talk about longevity, the idea of living longer in this body that we're in. Now, if you are in miserable, abject pain and terror every day in your body, uh, you <laughs> You'd be like, I, why would I want to hang out longer in this? There are people that are suffering that way. And I, you know, I would pray that they could find a way to alleviate their suffering. You know, my wife has, has suffered 12 years with trigeminal neuralgic pain. Uh, of course, it was more intense and worse toward the beginning, but she still has it. Uh, yet she's found her why, of course, is me and the kids. And, you know, she's amazing in that way. And then we still are looking to do more to find ways. And, 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 we, and she's made tremendous leaps. Like we talked about with Dr. Kenneth Oliver. Oh my gosh, she's, She's not dizzy and falling down like she was before due to the techniques that he prescribed for her. And, and the other things with, with this magnetic thing. So, you know, there are various technologies or just simple exercises that can be a, a difference maker for people. And, of course, we talk about the quality of the food that comes into your body. And in this hour, we're going to talk about the, the, uh, the, the lack of quality or the lack of anything that you actually need in terms of drugs coming into your body. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to have uh, Don Downs and uh, Kara Downs Bookman. And that's a father and a daughter talking about the loss of his wife and her mother uh, due to the, you know, kind of remdesivir type protocols. We talk about the uh, the protocols that kill. And remember, Dr. Brian Artis, our good buddy, was one of the first, if not the first, with the loudest megaphone. He hired his own PR agency at the time, as he talked about it, to warn the world once he saw what they were doing with the remdesivir. And uh, this is another one of those stories, uh, horrific stories, and and a loss of of a loved one due to the hospital protocols. And now there's collusions in the courts, et cetera. And this leads as well to the first uh, topic. And, and I apologize if you can't see it in the show notes, but Super Don, maybe you can put it out on the uh, the social media. But you can see it here, those of you watching the show live. It's a headline uh, titled "Confronting Pandemic Tyranny." And this is at the Brownstone Institute. This is a very heady intellectual article, but also massively uh, valid and and also well-referenced. And it is about um, the tyranny that we lived under, that they, if they could get away with it, they would still have us live under, if you can call that living. And this is an article uh, written by Aaron Cariotti. Again, very smart guy. As you read about this, he says in 2019, uh, he was a professor of psychiatry and chair of medical ethics at the University of California, Irvine. And a year later, he found himself on the front lines of of the covid wars because he was a dual expert. He followed the science and his conscience. And in doing so, he became a combatant and casualty in the wars as he lost his job for refusing to comply with the university's vaccine mandate. And now he's with the Brownstein. I'm sorry. Brownstone Institute doing some good stuff as well as the Zephyr Institute ethics, public policy center. And we talk about all the people that not only lost their jobs, but in this case, you know, many lost their lives due to a a, a myriad of falsehoods, not being perpetrated by you or me or anybody outside of, uh, you know, the official government uh, narrative, 
but you know the lies that were in fact coming from the people like Anthony Fauci, the CDC, the FDA, the World Health Organization, uh, the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, we can name names, of course, and we have over the time that we've been on the air do- covering these things. Yet we don't have the the pharmaceutical money to be uh, uh, the predominant and premier media outlet to let y'all know that you've been lied to. Now, if you're here, you already know that. At the same time, there are millions of Americans and people around the planet that haven't gotten the memo. Or if the memo comes in a little bit weekly and they kind of look at it, then they're, well, they're, they're negated by various mechanisms. You know, fear of being ostracized as they showed you, if you stood against the narrative, you could be fired. You could at the very least be denigrated by your peers or even your family, your loved ones. And many families were split apart over who believed the government narrative and who didn't. And it's almost, it's really to say government, it's, it's, it's less than what it was. It's super governmental and non-governmental because it goes beyond our shores and our borders and our official government. The, the put up the first, um, if you don't mind, the, there's a quote about, you know, what transpired in this article. Uh, and uh, this was in the development of, of what was happening in terms of tests and, and predictions and all of this. In a coincidence that Cariotti calls remarkable, Gates opened, this is talking about Bill Gates, opened the exercise. Remember, they did exercises, pandemic exercises. Oh, there's something coming. We're going to plan for it. We're going to we're going to war game it. Gates opened the expert by laying out the triggering event, a new coronavirus. He said, yes, he read that right, interjects Cariotti, begins in pigs and spreads to humans. Later in the exercise, George Gao, director of the Chinese version of the CDC, worried how to suppress inevitable rumors that the virus came from a lab. Now, this is the, the strategizing, the war gaming. Uh, I guess you can call it uh, it's SWAT techniques. If you're into business, was it uh uh, it's a strategic uh, exercise. You know, what are the opportunities? What are the uh, challenges or the, or the threats, if you will, all of that. And and they went through all of that and tried to war game it out and with great specificity and detail. And a number of times you'll see these war games or exercises being conducted. And then later or shortly thereafter, it manifests in real time in the world. And you know, oh, that is that's just a coincidence. They were just planning out worst case scenarios. They didn't ever think it would happen. And then you ask questions about, well, how did Fauci say when, when during the uh, Trump administration, there will be not, there could be, there might be, there will be a pandemic and you better be ready. Right. The, the, these are the things that lead you to, I guess, to conclude that in history, the major events are never an accident that there's some planning involved. And we've discussed some of the uncomfortable realities of uh, uh, prelude to war, whether it be, you know, a Reichstag fire in Germany or Pearl Harbor attack that apparently historians are now acknowledging that FDR was warned about it and said, let it happen. That's how we can get into World War II. Uh, Whether we look at, you know, what happened recently in Israel and uh, or our own 9-11, the things that, uh, well, that was a major failure of uh, intelligence. And you believe that? I mean, they can track every cell phone. They know what you're saying. They got recordings of everything. They let it happen. And in some would argue, they orchestrated it for a greater purpose. And I don't mean great and good, because there's not, that's not the same thing. A nefarious evil purpose. And this next quote from the article I want to bring up, uh, and I'll let you all read it. It's pretty intense at Brownstone Institute, this perspective. 
the new solution. Remember, they said, oh, it's a virus. We got to we got to figure out how to how to stop the virus from from spreading. Right. That's the thing. It's the virus, the virus, virus. Well, it wasn't about that in this in the way they responded uh, to what they called COVID. And here it is, a money shot, if there ever was one. The new solution is not to control or cure a viral infection impacting specific people, because they didn't, but to control the entire population of human beings. In this way, the human population itself becomes a dangerous problem to be solved by experts, by a new cast of technocrats who must be granted unprecedented powers to control their fellow human beings. Tell me that's not what happened or is not what's happening or the desire for them to continue this with whatever next pandemic or crisis emergency that they want to conflate, inflate or create. Whether it be an economic one or water war, we got to control the people. We got to put them in uh, basically uh, uh, 15 minute smart cities, which are basically glorious prison cells with limited freedom within them. And you'll be granted special privileges based on your beliefs and your behavior. And those privileges will be doled out via the central bank digital currency because cash will be, if not outlawed or banned, it will be eliminated due to the fact that they print it to the point where it has no value and to wipe your butt with it would be about the only thing you can do with Federal Reserve note dollars. And this is where I bring up uh, options and solutions, whether you're into crypto, which has some strengths and some weaknesses, or the gold backs which I think is much stronger as a a viable option because anybody without a computer, without a grid of any kind can have those in their possession and use them in exchange because people accept gold and silver typically as payment, whether it's legal tender or not. And gold backs are legal tender in at least six states now and climbing. But the question is, will you put them into practice now instead of when you have to? In the same way I ask, will you start growing food when you're hungry And if you do, you will starve to death because it's far too late. So get your greenhouses going and get ready for the spring. We've been granted, I think, a little extra time, I think by the grace of God, to continue to prepare. And if you haven't, you're behind the eight ball, so to speak. Get with it. Get with it. Economically and from a health perspective. The other thing they get you hooked on? Drugs. Yep, drugs. And the moment they pull the plug on that, you're so desperate, you can't function without them. You might die without them. How about doing the things that the doctors won't tell you to do to reduce or eliminate your reliance on those drugs altogether? Well, those are the things people still get banned and deplatformed for. The freedom to speak that we thought we had and enjoyed the First Amendment. I've been warning y'all since I opened up the microphone in 1999. That freedom of speech was very limited when it comes to the health of Americans, particularly. But you can go to Canada, most Western democracies, where you had control, not from the people on up, but from centralized bureaucracies on down, regulators that are owned lock, stock, and barrel by the pharmaceutical industry that basically took over and enjoyed immense profits beyond belief in the time of COVID where the government began mandating, if not de facto or, or de jure, no, not de jure, but de facto mandates that you could only have remdesivir and ventilators. And, and of course, remdesivir was, 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 you know, key to their elimination of the people that they wanted to reduce in, in size, scope population. Again, another thing coming back to Bill Gates, they're not hiding their agenda. The problem is they don't volunteer to leave the, leave the planet. They're volunteering you through deception, through fear, 
through propaganda. And those of us who spoke the truth and the facts still relegated, you know, to the outskirts of anything related to what they call mainstream um, communication. All the people that got it wrong during COVID, for the most part, they're the same people government agencies are looking to to uh, guide them to the next pandemic or whatever health policy they might have under the, the legal fiction, the Marxist concept of public health, which is collectivist. There's no such thing as public health. There's your health, there's my health, or no one's health. And the way they responded to COVID was about controlling people. Not accidentally. This was not an oops. This was not, oh, never let a crisis go to waste. This is, let's create the crisis and take advantage of it for the ends that we want, that we desire. And those scumbags at that high level, the elite globalist, collectivist, Marxist, communist, used it for everything it was worth because the American people and much of the people of planet Earth on the West were so afraid of their microbiological shadow that they could yell, boo, it's a virus, and then you complied. Now, not everyone here, many of you were skeptical or if not outright saw it as it was happening while we were witnessing it and reporting on it happening in real time on this show six days a week. Have we learned nothing or have we learned a lot of things? I've got a feature now, a family who has had to learn a lot the hard way about these hospital protocols and they lost the loved one. And many stories like this have transpired and we've been covering them the moment we heard about them. And we've got another one we're going to talk about for the first time, I believe, here. This is about Brenda Downs dying in the, due to the hospital protocols, denying her ivermectin, remdesivir, and vents. And then you know where that led. And so joining us now to talk about where this stands today, what lawsuit has been engaged in, the, the, uh, the different uh, ways that they try to muzzle these families from speaking out about what happened, we have Don Downs and Kara Downs Bookman joining us on the Robert Scott Bell Show. God bless you both. Thank you for being here. I'm so sorry for the loss of your mother and your wife. And uh, I, I just I, I, I just want you to share the story and what we can do to help at this point, because I don't want to see these disasters happen ever again. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you for yeah, having us. Thanks for having us. Well, we like, I guess we'll start out with uh, saying a little bit about Brenda. She was uh, 64 years old. At the time, that's been a little over two years ago. Went in the hospital, uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, the virus, and admitted to a local hospital there, I think, three days. And then she was transferred uh, to a Columbus, Ohio uh, hospital that Ohio Health owned. They own several in the state. And we told them no remdesivir. They did it anyhow. Um, this is the most horrendous story I've ever been involved in. And uh, I've told some reporters uh, on my final comments is, had we not uh, experienced this firsthand, I don't know if I would believe our own story. It mm -hmm. is that this uh, horrendous from day one. So anyhow, uh, she was vibrant, vibrant. She's better health than I was. I mean, mm -hmm. very good health. Worked for the Logan Hawking School Systems for 30 years as an aide. Um, it's just a tragic thing. And so anyhow, they transfer her to the Columbus, Ohio 
hospital. And it's basically since they got her there, they started uh, nagging her about getting her on the vent. Mm-hmm. And that even the day that they put her on the vent, she told us that I don't even feel bad enough to be on a vent, but they just won't leave me alone. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let them do it because they said it'll give my lungs time to rest. Don, Don did you and know at that, at that point, time? Uh, did you know at that time of the economic conflicts of interest these hospitals had to put the patients on vents? No. No, we didn't know. No, no. And and we actually didn't even, um, you know, I had heard about alternative treatments, but I hadn't heard of ivermectin um, till that till the day she was put on the ventilator. Actually, we were we were waiting for them to put her on it when a friend of ours called and said, hey, uh, we know a guy that was that was on a ventilator with covid and they gave him ivermectin and he he was off the ventilator within 48 hours. So, of course, that's when I started to research it myself and found an NIH study that showed that it lowered comorbidity. Um, So we presented that NIH study to the hospital um, and immediately we were told no. Um, And we were, you know, I mean, we didn't know that there was all these politics behind ivermectin. We, you know. We just and then we immediately couldn't understand why they said no. I said, look, I will sign anything you want me to any kind of waiver, whatever. But she needs we need to try this. They absolutely said no way. So I said, I'm going to. okay, we're going to court. And they just kind of snickered about that, never dreamed it. And I asked them how how many people to this point in 19 months of COVID have sued you for to get a family member something that would might help them you're the first one they said i was the first one i believe that though but they'll go ahead and tell what happened so uh we uh ended up uh finding ralph larego out of new york um he had done multiple cases every uh case that he had tried at that time the and the person that he won and the person got the ivermectin they got off of the ventilator and they lived 11 people um, or 12. um so we you know we hired him um uh we had to hire a columbus ohio an attorney because of for filing and to do the legwork because ralph was out of new york um so uh, when Ralph started fighting for us, um, it went through Judge Mark Serrett out of the Franklin County Courts. Um, and uh, he calls us and says, um, OK, uh, they had been in court all day. Uh, we've we've reached an agreement, but it's a, a confidentiality, a strictly confidentiality agreement that if we are to administer this medicine to your mother, um, you will sign an agreement saying that you won't talk about it. And if you do talk about it, you will be fined $1 million each. And that 1 million was gonna go on my dad, myself and my sister, all three of us, a million dollars each. So that would have been $3 million. Um, And that's what they first requested and had written up. Well, the the judge decided to change it, to lower it to 100,000 each, which is, you know, for a pastor and two teachers, that uh, is, you know, well, more untenable. than we make in a year. I, I, you know, I asked the question on what basis would a fine of that magnitude be there and what were they afraid you might say? Right. 
Yeah. Um, they, you know, if they just, you know, we, we couldn't understand, you know, if it works, why don't you want people to know? And if it doesn't work, why don't you want people to know you? At least you tried, you know, at least at least we tried. And so, you know, we just couldn't understand that. But we were willing to do whatever because we wanted to save her life. My opinion is it had they given it to her. I believe it would have set some kind of precedence, maybe for the state of Ohio, maybe larger. I don't know. But they were going to do everything in their power uh to make sure she didn't get it and that's exactly what they did as our story goes on yeah so um we ended up going to um court. we ended up going to court in the franklin county court with judge mark Serrett. um ralph had been you know phoning in um but at the time they had us in there they they didn't allow ralph um to be in the courtroom with us via video or phone um they only allowed our columbus attorney who, you know, we, we didn't know, um, really. Uh, and he wasn't our lead attorney. Um, and when we got in there, the judge, uh, says to us, he says, because Ralph was refusing to sign the agreement because he was also being put in the confidentiality that if, if even we mentioned Ohio health, he would Ralph also be that. liable for, for the damages. Right. Um, so, he he brings us in and he says, Ralph is the reason that your mother and your wife is not going to get this medicine. That's exactly what he, he said. He completely blamed it on Ralph. And um, was this, and uh, he, was, and was he this said, judge working you know, for the hospital? Well, he was in our pocket, I guess. I don't know. We, you know, we believe that yeah. there was things going on behind the scenes. There's no doubt. We know that now, but um, so you know we Melissa started really. You know, they both we, broke we, down. we started crying, sure. um, of course, wow. and so we said, "Well, my sister raised her hand and and she said, you know, can we call? Can wow. we call Ralph?" And he said, "Yes, you have. You can leave three. the courtroom. You have three minutes." So you know, we're he's trying to explain to us why he won't sign, and, and it's very valid reasons of why he won't sign sure, because Ralph, of the yeah. things that they were wanting to change in the contract and agreement were basically them being able to weasel their way out of it, um, which he wasn't able to explain that to us until you know after right. because yeah. we had three minutes and we were just begging him to sign it because we didn't know what else to do you and know and when he again, said what, when he yeah. blamed ralph because he made it clear that he was not going to go any further with this basically going to throw the whole thing out because of ralph so i just said look i fire him right now mm -hmm. yeah. so they liked that idea the yeah. four attorneys sat there so they figured out they'd just put a gag order on ralph in new york so i fired him so yeah, we okay. were basically forced to fire him if if we wanted her to her to get the judge. We feel like the judge put us in a place oh. where we had no choice but to fire sure. him to save her life. And so what's um, what, what's hanging over in the balance at this moment of the story is that mm -hmm. you got to sign an agreement that you will not speak about this and mention the hospital, right. and then they say mm -hmm. they'll give your mother the uh the, well this the ivermectin. And, and then also, if I'm not mistaken here, it still still has to be under the discretion of a doctor. A doctor could decide to say no anyway, despite all of this. 
Sorry, we're out of school. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm hearing some stuff as well there. But suffice it to say, Sorry. They, they still have an out because they wrote into the contract that it's still going to be under a doctor's care and the Absolutely. doctor has discretion whether to give yes. your mother this drug right. or not. So you're not even right. guaranteed that she's going to get it. No, no. we weren't aware of that change no. because no. that change was made in the night uh, between the time that we were in the courtroom and the mm -hmm. time we signed the agreement the next day. They changed it without us knowing it. Yeah, and your new so, York attorney knew this was going on, and they wanted him out of the way so you would just sign it. Right. And this is a classic. I'm not an attorney, but I understand some basic concepts here. If this ever fell under the uh, the uh, threat, duress, and coercion scenario of signing a, 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 an agreement, making it completely unlawful and unenforceable, yes. and this is the point that in the end they never did give your mother or your wife, in this case, Adon, the, the uh, ivermectin, and right. how soon after did she pass away? Um, Let's just stop for real quick. She's supposed to, the judge said she will get it, the medicine tomorrow morning. You just sign, sign at uh, your attorney's office in the morning. It'll all be signed. We did that. The things that happened the next few hours to put this off behind the scenes was unbelievable but the the fir the thing that people have to know this is the the question that i will never rest until i die until i find out who from the hospital that morning let the judge know through his staff attorney that brenda my wife was significantly better that was a lie mm -hmm. they did that no one will give us that answer as to who did that. Did you so what what happened? The judge shelved it until we could get counsel together, which never ever happened. So you can't get the medical records unless you file suit and subpoena all of those records. Um, we do have the medical records, uh, but someone told uh, someone from Ohio Health told the judge's staff attorney that she was doing better, so she didn't need the medicine. Absolutely. And, and, and yet, she was still was no, on a ventilator. But the medical records don't reveal who said that. No, no, they don't reveal. No, but who we, said we've that. got a text that proves that from the staff, judge's an staff, email. an email. We yeah. have it. Mm hmm. That conversation was made between our Columbus attorney and the staff attorney so for the judge. We found out we have found we, out from emails and we didn't know this until two years later. We had agreed to the doctors to wait one day due to her having a very high fever. Yes. Uh, we had agreed to put off the ivermectin for one day. Well, we find out later that this Columbus attorney, Jeff Perry, we find out in emails from through our current lawsuit that he emailed the, the judge's staff attorney and told her that we no longer wanted the ivermectin. Oh, my it's God. Incredible. You know, we never classic, told him that. Yeah, well, this is classic. Uh, what they call a malpractice. Uh, and that's the yeah. it's, a, it's an understatement. Oh, what, what's going on here? This, it is. Are you have you met uh, Scott Shara and you know about his daughter, Grace, that was murdered in the hospital? Yes. In you know, this is, again, another story like they they murdered mm -hmm. Brenda. This is not right. oops, an accident. You know, you know how accidental deaths right. in hospitals yeah. they talk about being a third leading cause of death. This is this is not an accident at this point. No, mm -hmm. no. this is death for profit. Right. Now, both of yes. you 
probably had no idea there was this level of corruption within hospitals or the medical no. system. Uh, oh, absolutely not. I grew up in a medical pharmaceutical family. We didn't know any of this was going on until I, you know, I, I hit 24 and I learned that they were poisoning me to death uh, with all of my chronic ailments as many years ago now. And I think that, and I'm speaking to Don now, particularly in our generation, we grew up believing, trusting, having faith uh, in the medical societies, absolutely. the doctors, the hospitals. And we now know it was a yeah. misplaced faith that they are dealing in a uh-huh. false religion. Pharmacia is sorcery and they are, in, they are yeah, profiting absolutely. from death. And it's hard oh, yeah. for people to wake up to see that, but that's what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I feel sorry for all the other people, the lost family members. I think we what, 1.2 million and our heart goes out to them. Our heart goes out to the nurses and the doctors that have been fired uh, because they've been caught saving lives. And it's a black time in, in American history. This will go down, I think, as one of the biggest black eyes for America ever. Mm-hmm. Where the government has it's supposed to protect the people and they are absolutely uh, killing the people. I can't imagine that it, that that same judge who I believe is corrupt based on everything I'm learning mm-hmm. uh, could try to hold you to the gag order that you signed because well, they violated every aspect of that agreement, including going in under threat, duress and coercion. I think it was null and void the moment you signed it. Yeah, right. But the thing about it, we didn't even know it wasn't uh, we weren't under. We, so we, we believed, thought we have believed up up to what a month ago or so. Yeah, two, we have believed that we, that we were, were underneath it. Right, because we I asked. Spent, I spent twenty thousand dollars in the last eleven months on an attorney to get it to get us out from underneath that. And, you and now we find out we were. But it was our attorney that told um, us. Yeah, the Columbus, the, the attorney. Columbus attorney. We asked him after everything was over if we were still bound to the confidentiality agreement, and he said yes, that we were. This guy needs um, to be subject to a suit and and criminal charges, I believe, based on what he's absolutely. lied to you about. I've spent twenty thousand dollars for nothing. I mean, it, it is. This is so unbelievable. Yeah. So um, corrupt. We, uh, we hired uh, Warner Mendenhall yep, um, to help us um, get out from under the confidentiality agreement we that we were, we were believed to be under. Um, and the uh, the current judge um, of this case um, has said that we were never bound to it. Um, and so Ohio Health is now suing us uh, for for a frivolous lawsuit. And, and they also stated in their uh, court claims that uh, we did not sign that under duress. Exactly. Oh, good Lord. Uh, you know, what the Can definition of duress? These people are criminals. Right. I mean, you need to own oh. them. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It, it's incredible. <sighs> but here we're being sued. And we're, we're, Judge, uh, he is citing for Ohio Health because if you look at the law, yeah, they were... Uh, I mean, we were, I guess, you know, we were told by our attorney that we were under it. Right. And so, of course, we believe that. And uh, and Warner uh, still believes that if we had spoken about it without the suit, that they would have sued us yes. for the. So now they're the engaged in a frivolous suit against you, claiming that you're engaged in frivolous suits. So this is all uh, posturing through the legal profession. I, I you know, I pray that. 
the justice has served here in this life. It will be served in the next for the, all of Absolutely. these people who did this. There's no but, doubt. Uh, we've got to fight to do our best because I don't want this to happen to anybody else. And our misplaced mm-hmm. faith and trust in doctors, in medicine, in hospitals, we have to we have to grow up and see it for what it is. It's a business that has a monopoly, and in a monopoly, yeah. people mm-hmm. are doing horrible things. And they will get away with mm-hmm. things. The judges are bought and, and sold. Our uh, regulatory yeah. agencies, the mm-hmm. government is all in. That's why I call it the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism. And in violation of the First Amendment, the Establishment Absolutely. Clause, we have a state-sanctioned religion, and it is modern medicine. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And one of the things, too, is that the um, when the day she was supposed to get the medicine, um, the the doctors uh, came in to the waiting room, basically bombarded us, five doctors. Um, we didn't uh, we told, we told them, them no, that we did not. They requested a meeting to, with us and we refused the meeting. Just give her the um, they came in. We wanted to watch them give the medicine because we didn't believe that they would do it. And uh, they came barged in anyhow. Uh, five doctors, um, their head infectious disease doctor, Dr. Joseph Gastaldo, he looked at us and told us. Maybe if she had gotten the medicine sooner, it may have worked. Are you kidding me? When I jumped up and down for days and that man came in there and made that statement to us. Mm. But, then, but then he went on the news in, in Columbus the very next day and, and told everyone that ivermectin was for horses, that people were poisoning themselves with it and not to take it. Yep. Yeah, I, my conversation with him caused him to go on TV to warn everybody. It, it's it's beyond belief. I mean, yeah, never never dreamed it. Yeah, something well, like this could happen. Do you, do you guys have a website set up if anybody wants to connect with you or help you in in your efforts here to seek justice? I I just don't know. I have the article here about what happened at the Epoch Times has covered it. And, and we have that link in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Do you have a personal site we can send folks to? There it is. Um, we, we have the uh, we have the Gibson Go. It's uh, gibsongo.com uh, slash Brenda's Battle 21. Um, and then we have um, a Telegram page, um, a Facebook uh, group. We have um, a Getter, a Truth Social, and a Twitter also known as X, um, we have all of those are at Brenda's Battle. Yeah, this this is, uh, again, another aspect of uh, some of the saddest stories that we have to cover here that are not it being is. covered with any integrity within the, the legacy media, mainstream media. And, you know, lawyers often bought off, as you say, they're they're uh, either prisoners of or, or uh, representatives yeah. of the bar, officers of the court. And they are not representing Absolutely. you. Mm-hmm. And these judges reciting unconscionably uh, with these uh, yeah. multinational corporations that end up owning these hospitals. And of course, our government set the policies through the pandemic uh, prep act and other right. things to mandate treatment and to prohibit treatment. And the profit would be when they put them on the government prescribed medicines like remdesivir that destroy the kidneys, liver and everything. And then the vents and then the deaths, mm-hmm. they profit on all of that. They made well, death right. a profitable right. part of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, uh, um, I always say that 
she was she was harder for them to kill yes because she was so healthy so they had to give her high doses of, of fentanyl and day after uh, day we caught them i don't know how many times and and we would ask him to turn it down and every day as soon as we would leave they would turn it back mm -hmm. up yeah. yeah and and it was constant uh and, and i would tell him that i mean she was very a small she was only five feet tall a uh, very small woman. And I would tell him she always took child doses of any medicine. And I would try to tell him she takes child doses. This is too much. And there was many days she could have got off a vent, but they they hit her with fentanyl. Yeah, she, to stop the I function. Mean, she responded. Yeah. It's Yeah. Now, the, the, another side effect of this is that if you ever actually needed a hospital for something legitimate, you're going right. to have a genuine terror and fear about entering it for this, for the, the reasons that they might just turn you into another, you know, death statistic uh, that they profit from. Right. And, right. and, and it's still going on. So, yeah, it We're, is still going on. They, it is, they changed it to on. Valkyrie or something. It's now, you know, a different name. And so people don't know they're getting remdesivir. Uh, also, yeah. right. you know, you right. have. You have, you have people in public health all the way up to the highest levels of the CDC scratching their heads going, I just don't know why people don't trust us. <laughs> Talk to me. Right? Yeah. They yeah. lied all the way through this. All the way. Right. The, it, now, it's, it's such a sad thing. Kara, do you or, or your, your sister, do you have kids as well? Yes, we do. Yeah. Now, and that was that was listed on the uh on the confidentiality agreement that our our next of kin would also be responsible on the unconscionable again now the question is mm -hmm. how do you raise your kids differently now knowing what you know regarding the medical system um you know we we try to take care of everything at home yeah anything and everything that we can get at home any kind of natural treatments we have we have switched to that we try to avoid the hospital at all costs so you've started utilizing herbal medicine, supplemental medicine, maybe homeopathic remedies, yeah. different things. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. A, yeah. a return to sense, a return to God, a, a return to God's creation, all the things written right. about in the Bible for our benefit and our mm -hmm. care. Those yeah. are the things that allopathic medicine say is 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 nonsense, bunk medicine or, or fake medicine. The irony there is yeah. that they are engaged in sorcery. We're going back to the Absolutely. medicine of creation. Right. Yeah. This is not going to end because they're suing us, and the judge just now put our case back till April, April. of next year. Yeah, we were supposed to have a trial um, October, 23rd. the end of October, and they have moved it to April. And that was to find us. He, he was going to find us guilty of uh, frivolous. Uh, well, you guys lawsuit, keep speaking now, out. Shout from the rooftops. Get on every show are, podcast you can and yeah. shame them. Uh, Right. And the one thing is, is that when when we filed this lawsuit, you know, we we did ask in the beginning for uh, our attorney fees to be covered. Um, but we didn't ask for any other monetary nothing. nothing. We this just asked to be released from the contract. So we just thought this was a simple. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is not never been about money. And, That's not who I am right. or we are. Right. But, but as now as, it's about telling the whole world how yes. evil and what they did mm -hmm. but they have you. requested um they have requested in their lawsuit against us they have requested that we pay for their attorney fees well yes. this is a shakedown uh, they want it they want to yes. they want to try and burn you out and break you down and not going to uh, happen no nope. not going to happen you are resolute i can see it and uh, i pray that they see it so they can back down and do the right thing i'm not counting on it but 
now that we've got the right. Robert Yeah Bell Show audience aware of it, you guys can plug in. Uh, we've got links to the Give, Send, Go and other things that you can do to support and also share the story. That's a big part of this. Yeah. Shame the media right. that doesn't cover it. Shame oh. the hospital, the people that work there. Point them out. Call them out. Yeah. This is not a time yeah. to go silently into the night. We've lost too many loved ones. You lost your mother. You lost that's your right. wife. And that's enough. Yeah. It's far too much, in my right. opinion. But this is what it's right. taken. Let's, right. let's not let her death be in vain. That's, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. Epoch Times, too. I'll just say that. Uh, they printed yesterday the story, and I'll get my copy in a minute. I, I guess everybody that gets the paper gets their copy uh, tomorrow, Friday, and, and uh, Saturday. So it, it's going to be a big story in the paper there, too. Yeah. Well, we're glad it's there, and we're sharing it as well. Uh, Kara Good. Downs, Bookman, Don Downs, God bless you. Thank you for being on here to share the story, and maybe we can follow up as things progress here. We'd love to hear back from you. All thank right, you yeah, very thank much. Thank you for having us. This. Stay strong, and uh, you, you and God yeah. are a majority here. You can win. That's this. it. That's yeah. it. You take yeah. it. Take it all the way. Thank you, Kara. Okay. Thank you, Don. God bless you, uh, man. Uh, Super Don. You know my blood's boiling. I think I'll need some more CBD right now. It's like how many? How many more stories do we need to hear? Yeah. Whether whether it's the medical kidnapping, which we covered, you know, uh, several years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a crazy stuff that we've heard here with covid and it's even the stuff that i hear you know with with the the, the job well, it's even causing you to go you're right I, you're I, thinking, I, no it, way i i think yeah. in another life i was a defense attorney because it's just like i just want to be like uh, but what about this and what about this and yeah, yeah you know how can this stand this is not because you know when you hear these stories and you hear the details mm-hmm. it's just like it's a no brainer. It's plain as day. What's going on here? But once you get into the system, I, I, I have no problem saying this because it's so true. The system is rigged. Mm-hmm. It is rigged against John yeah. Q. Public. It yeah. just is. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about. There is corruption in the system. It is broken. And it is, it's, it, as, as George Carlin famously said, it's a big old club and you ain't in it. Yeah. And that's what we're learning. And it, you know, the word atrocity comes to mind. We talk about it in terms of warfare, but look, the federal government and the state agencies, the public health agencies have declared war on the people and they have killed, they have killed in defense of their monopoly power. And that's more of what we got here. So uh, I just took some CBD hemp, uh, organic hemp from <laughs> my friends at uh, Nutritional Frontiers. You can go to CBDNF.com. You need something, huh? Yeah. yeah. Use the code RSB15. Also, Nutritional Frontiers, all of their wonderful, wonderful formulas are available at NutritionalFrontiers.com. RSB15, 15% off even things on sale. You can double dip here on the Robert Scott Bell Show for that. Also, shout out to our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health are doing extraordinary work in educating even doctors and nurses to do the right thing. Body, mind and spirit. We don't abandon the spirit here on this show. They don't abandon it there at Trinity. You guys want to learn real healing. Doesn't require drugs and and surgery and injections. Uh, Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. That leads us to today's homeopathic hit. of the homeopathic hits every day right here on the robert scott bell show here's a you know homeopathic hit uh the remedy is called drosera drosera d-r-o-s-e-r-a and i've it's one of my favorite remedies and i, I bring it up every time there's a lung issue a coughing issue etc and 
you know, part of what, uh, uh, you know, sh- threw people into the, the medical mess was the cough, the lack of breathing. Could Drosera have played a role there? And by the way, Drosera is a plant and you can see the image Super Don had. (laughs) (laughs) They're also happy. You know, that. But they are the remedies that, that actually help you. It's also so, called the, I believe it's called the sundew plant. Yeah, the sundew. So, yeah, yeah, if you want to show the PDF available to you for free at robertscottbell.com today on the uh, uh, 9th of uh, November and also Super Don eventually as the website gets back up and running, we'll get them all together in one place as we've been collecting. I think, I think I've managed to, to, to struggle through it, but I think it's, it's up to date uh, as okay. of about 10 minutes ago. So the dr- Drosera is the remedy used often for deep barking coughs, respiratory ailments, even something called whooping cough, interestingly enough. So we're going to get into that. These are brief hits on homeopathy. You can go to the Materia Medica. You can look it up online and go deeper than this. But just to give you a, a little bit of an introduction so you're not intimidated, this is known as the sundew plant. It's a carnivorous plant that is used in homeopathy for its medicinal properties. And the entire plant is harvested in its flower state. And then it is potentized into and converted into a homeopathic medicine. Physically, Drosera is primarily known for its effectiveness in treating whooping cough, bronchitis, and other respiratory conditions with a deep barking and spasmodic cough. Mentally, not a lot there, but mental emotional symptoms associated with uh, Drosera. You know, you'll, you'll feel irritable and anxious due to the stress of con- constant coughing. So primary use is respiratory. Go-to remedy, Drosera, for intense coughs that are dry, spasmodic, and may end in gagging or vomiting. Really intense, like whooping cough. And it's particularly indicated for that when the spells are violent and come in rapid succession. And with all of the promotion of the uh, DTP or the DTAP, DPT, the shot, do they ever mention that we already have remedies for whooping cough? Never. Never. Why? Because they have a vested interest in keeping you ignorant of all the the medicines of creation, the natural medicines that can help you, including, as I said, in this case, case, whooping cough. So as we go down below the primary uses, uh, we get into the potencies, low potency, 6X, 10X, 12X, 12C, whatever. You can use them more frequently for more of the acute uh, respiratory conditions and coughs. If you're going to medium or high potencies, uh, you know, chronic, more debilitating scenarios, please consult with a qualified homeopath if you need that help. And here's a, uh, three co- complementary homeopathic remedies to consider. Pertussin. Yes, it sounds just like it is uh, drawn from the results of a pertussis manifestation. And it's made into a homeopathic remedy for whooping cough and other severe coughing conditions. Spongia tosta, which was one of the homeopathic hits of the day recently, often used after Drosera if the cough remains dry and barking but less spasmodic. And I add here, of course, Bryonia alba. The remedy, it's a liver polycrest. It's used for coughs and lung issues as well. And I would even use that first, then followed by this remedy, Drosera and Pertussin, Spongia, whatever you need. So avoid self-prescribing for severe conditions. If symptoms worsen or persist, uh, please consult a homeopathic professional. And as we conclude here, this brief hit, it's a versatile remedy, particularly effective for deep spasmodic coughs, respiratory ailments, including whoopee cough. Whooping cough, not whoopee cough. <laughs> That's what happens when you see Whoopi Goldberg, you start yes. coughing. Uh, but stay tuned to the Robert Scott Bell Show for more enlightening dives into the world of homeopathy through our homeopathic hits. Remember, this is informational and educational, not intended to replace your doctor should you choose to have one. We want you to make fully informed decisions about the health of yourself and your loved ones. And with that, we're going to take a pause and be back momentarily for the bonus round on the Robert Scott Bell Show because the power to heal is still yours.
Yeah, you don't have to mock up the outrage when you cover a story like that, Super Don. And, you know, had I told these stories, which I did, I mean, to some degree, warned people about what is in modern medicine and hospitals, it was just not believable until this happened for most people. You know, you're exaggerating. It's not really that bad. They really do mean well. I'm like, look, I will acknowledge that many people in the medical industry still believe what they're in what they're doing and they're really trying to help people but that's no excuse to turn a blind eye to what is so patently obvious in our face now yeah. that anybody who's not standing up and saying this is wrong and getting out uh they're culpable at this point this is not about ignorance anymore <coughs> yeah it's it's uh i don't know i, I have trouble doing uh, anything else other than just shake my head because yeah, you know, I mean, other than the, other than what it is that they're doing, and people like Scott Shars doing, and and people like you know many other people that are out there uh, that are trying to tell their story about what happened and how they were treated, and whether we're talking about COVID or we're talking about medical kidnapping or we're talking about child protective services situations and stuff, um, it's it's very 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 hard. It's a, such an uphill battle that it, it, it ruins people. Um, financially, emotionally, spiritually, uh, to try and fight this system that has been so stacked mm -hmm. against people because of the, and ultimately it's, it's, you just follow the money. You find out where, what's going on. It's all about money. That's what it is. It's all about money. And it's, it really sucks. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I, I thank goodness that there are people out there that are fighting, uh, trying to fight against this. But, mm -hmm. you know, you go back in, in, in time mm -hmm. and you look at some of the, of the history of, of the people that have tried to fight this fight. And literally the, the power, the money interests are, is, are so strong in the situation that people have literally, literally been disappeared yes. uh, in this, this situation. Um, yeah. So the only thing you can do, you know, and we've talked about this before, is that do everything you can to make sure that you just do not get on the radar with any of these agencies, you know. And, and if you do and you've got the opportunity to mm -hmm. to disappear yourself, yeah. sometimes that's what people have to do yeah. in order to keep stay keep, out of the system. Yeah, yeah, it's just it really, really, really you know, sucks. There was another thing that, you know, I brought up toward the end of that interview. Uh, <clears throat> And it was about what about those times of legitimacy in terms of needing allopathic intervention to save yeah. your life, right? Because yeah. we've never argued that that was not part of, of, you know, the good part of medicine that existed and it still exists. Yet we've told stories recently and heard stories of people so reluctant to go to the hospital that they indeed, you know, may have died because they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. You know, you talk about the rock in a hard place scenario here. We don't have to exaggerate any of this, but I, I will just say, please be prayerful and, and walk with God at all moments because there's a level of protection here that uh, I can't overstate the importance to navigate a terrain where the authoritarians are running the show and they're directing you through fear. And so you're disconnected from the source of, of the real healing wisdom and the, the intuition and the gut feelings that you have to go this way instead of that way. Uh, there's still a way to make it work, but good Lord, I have compassion now for anybody that's just in abject terror to go to a hospital, even if it's a legitimate reason. Yeah, there's, um, you know, if you, if you're good, here's, here's my, uh, advice. 
uh, the, if you are going to end up going to the hospital, there's, there's, I can't find it uh, immediately here, but I know, you know, you, you know, I, I work with Scott Shar, and one yes. of the things that he has put together and it's on his website and I need to find it here, but there's like a, a, a hospital rescues. That's what it is where there is, you know, there are hotlines. If you find yourself in the hospital, and you feel like you are in a situation where you need somebody to help get you out of a bad situation, you know, like what we've been talking about here. There are people now that are are advocating um, on behalf of people that are in hospitals and working on getting them out from under these types of situations like Brenda, um, you know, found herself in. Um, and it's called it's hosp- there's a hospital hostage hotline. Uh, and it's, it's 888-219-3637. The two, the two ladies that run this thing are very, uh, experienced in, in helping people out that are stuck in a situation where a hospital just doesn't want to let them go. Um, and they actually have, have worked on behalf of people that are in that and gotten them out of that situation. Also, there are forms that you can take with you when you go into the hospital, um, that will protect you. And uh, for things that, you know, when most people go to the hospital, they don't think they need, right? You know, they're going to the hospital because they need help, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't they don't realize that, you know, that those types of scenarios exist where you go into the hospital and be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they, you know, things can happen. So anyway, uh, I, I, I wasn't prepared actually to <laughs> to give people links on that, but that stuff does exist. And uh, I think you can find that you can find links to that stuff over at Scott Scherer's website at ouramazinggrace.net. Mm-hmm. But anyway, long story short, uh, it's it's one of the, it's another one of those things where it's hard for me to form sentences about about yeah. and, and talk about it because it's it's just so well, it's hard, messed it's hard. up. It's hard to imagine that you would have to even consider these things or talk about the reality of these things. As I said, it's very hard for me to uh, give some leeway in terms of what we call plausible deniability. You know, when I talked about the opening uh, article that you you know sent me from Brownstone this hour about all of the preparedness, and, and this is like pandemic preparedness, they're planning for this, not as if it might happen, is if they know it's happening and then they're a part of it happening and they already plan for what they want to happen when it happens and how they will control people. They give a flip less about a virus or whatever. Again, we get into that controversy another time. But Super D, I know you don't want to believe there are nefarious plots afoot that are actually, you know, conspiratorial in nature that people, you know, plot behind closed doors. Not not entirely. Oh, I know. I'm exaggerating a little bit, Super D, but you're also the voice (laughs) of what we call uh, 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 critical thinking and, you know, talking people off the ledge because there are certainly people that will go off in various ways that we might go. I don't know that they have a, a, a let's say, a, a lineage or a line that can link it. It's a, you know, a perception. And, you know, I can uh, I can have, let's say, um, uh, what would you say, some empathy for the perception because it is bad. It's as bad as you'd ever think and worse. Does it mean everything's wrong everywhere or else, you know, at that point you give up and do nothing. And I'm not all about giving up and doing nothing or else we wouldn't be doing this show. Why would I be, uh, you know, relating these things for decades now going into our 25th, my 25th year broadcast healing uh, in the, in the new calendar year, starting in 2024 quarter century, dude. Can you think about that? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, my message, I don't believe has shifted much in those years. It's still based on the same principles. You you know, we've had to uh, address some horrific realities that I've seen seething under the the table or under the surface that came to the surface for many people that didn't want to see it, would have never considered it hadn't been for the COVID crazy years we've just come out of and maybe it's still happening because they're still, they are still prescribing remdesivir or by another name in hospitals. And then it gets too shocking for some when we talk about with Dr. Brian Artis and his research pointing out the, you know, the synthetic snake venom peptides, the, the, the various toxins in nature. But this is what they've been utilizing to make drugs for, for a century or more. It, it isn't that far out once you start digging below, below the surface. But it is because we've been programmed to believe that couldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. That's just, you know, again, a pharmaceutical fantasy. You just don't like doctors. You just don't like big far on and on it goes. They could try and dissuade you from looking at it. But when you step back objectively as you can, if it's possible to look at these facts as they're revealing, it paints a picture that's worse than anything you'd ever want to see. Yep. I mean, indeed, we talk about the atrocities going on in war, but the war is happening when there's not a war going on. That's overt. You know, it's not with bombs and bullets. It's with drugs and vaccines, and that's been going on long before the stuff happened right recently in Israel and in in, uh, Gaza. And, you know, my point about all of those people dying every year, you know, for those that are stepping up and going, I'm outraged at the murder of innocent civilians on any side of the equation. Where were you as I was pointing out that every year, just in America alone, between 106,000 to 784,000 Americans were dying at the hands of doctors and all they do? Every year, without fail, without stop, without cessation, no ceasefire. Where were you then? And I could call out the people who are against abortion and say, where are you when it comes to bombing babies in war? Recognizing that, uh, you know, some of you actually acknowledge, probably hopefully most of you in this audience, I talked about the just war theory of Christianity would be only for defensive purposes, but in many cases, there is a seething of the neocons and neocons could be Democrats or Republicans just can't wait for more war. And it's like, where is where is that? You know, there's cognitive dissonance in that as well. And so this is not me trying to tick anybody off or all y'all off about it. But in reality, there's a selective outrage. You're only outraged when certain people are killed. Not yeah, not when it's, you know, not reported on as a as a war. Right. Because they don't report on the death by medicine as a war against the people and their life. But no. we're seeing it is as, as evidenced by the story we just heard on the second hour of the show today. So uh, this is not going to make make me a lot of friends and new listeners, but I got to <laughs> say it. All right. So let me show you real quick uh, yeah. what it was I was talking about here. Okay. There's, there's a, uh, you can go to ourpatientrights.com or you can also go to protocolkills.com. And what they've got on there is they've got a video there and then they've got a set of documents that you can download. And when you go to this, 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 these documents, you know, and this would be, I would say, you know, if you broke your arm and you went in and you need to get a cast, you're probably not going to have to deal with something like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but you know, there are other situations where you can end up in the hospital and end up admitted to the hospital. And then you definitely want to have somebody who's advocating on your behalf. Mm-hmm. in that situation. 
but there's these forms that they've put together here and these these they've used these these have been successful but these are forms that you can take and you can have uh filled out and it, you know it it covers like all these things here like i do not consent to the use of medications without my being informed of each medication's risks benefits and alternatives before they are ordered mm-hmm. i do not consent to receiving any vaccine or booster for covid-19 or covid-19 variant I do not consent to receiving seasonal flu vaccine. And it just goes on and on here to all of these things. And it makes it very clear, you know, uh, when you're in there of everything that you have said that you do not consent to so that in the event that something does happen, you or your loved ones have the ability to have some sort, at least a chance of some sort of recourse, uh, uh, you know, in the situation to try and turn a bad situation around before it gets worse. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I was referring to. All right, folks, if you're not already getting the Robert Scott Bell Show newsletter, we're going to make it as simple as possible for you. Pick up your phone as long as you're not driving and text <laughs> my initials RSB to this number. Double six, eight, double six. Six, six, eight, six, six. Send my initials on a text message RSB and you'll be prompted to enter your email address. That means no matter what, we'll find a way to be able to reach out to you and let you know what's going on. Plug you in to empowering health and healing. And, you know, when I talk about health and healing, if you've been with me for a while, you know, it's not just about physiological health or even emotional and mental health. It's about spiritual health, economic health, political health, all of these things, because the same principles apply to all of these bodies that we have. And the, the, the lie is that there are exceptions to the rule. The exceptions to the rule lead to deeper understandings of the actual rule that is written by God, not government, not by man. And uh, we got, we must go deeper. I'm going to shout out to my brother, Dr. Henry Ely, who's become one of my newest, most awesomest friends on this journey. And he's got the Energetic Health Institute. And we got to hang out again together this past weekend in Phoenix. And I look forward to the next opportunity. There are so, so many good people that we're just meeting along the way because of what happened in COVID that have come out that you might never have known or heard of that are heroes, not because they want to be heroes, but because they're called on their mission. And their mission is to save lives, all those who are ready to be saved via methods that don't involve poisoning you back to health, that don't involve disempowering and denigrating you for having a thought that might not be approved by government, by FDA, by Anthony Fauci, by any doctor for that matter, that you have a direct connection to the the source of all healing. And as I've said many times on this show and in my lectures, every time I try to remember to say this, that my job or role as a homeopath if someone came to me for help is not even to find the right remedy for you even though we do a homeopathic hit that gives you insight to remedies to choose my role and i believe it's true of all healers should they step into that healing mantle or cloak or whatever you want to call it is to remind you those who are coming for help of your divinity and your connection to the divine because that is indeed where all healing comes from takes place all wisdom and all direction to the right way to go the right path to take and as smart as you might think i am or super don is we don't know it all and the moment i say i do super don has permission to slap me down as does my wife (laughs) i I, I don't think i've ever heard you say that so yeah right well, you've been looking for that, haven't you? Oh, really? Now I can slap suits, uh, RSB. This is going to be great. <laughs> Just give me a reason. Give me a reason. Just give me that reason, buddy. Uh, I don't know how many times uh, I've said over the years that I know it all, Super Don. So how many slaps do you owe me? I just don't recall. <laughs> Maybe I'm okay. I think I'm clean. And if I did, it was purely in jest. In jest, sure. yes. Yeah. 
but we know that the doctors know less than <laughs> less than a lot of things. Listen, a lot of folks, and you guys are going out and doing your own research. You're, you're taking classes and coursework at Trinity School of Natural Health at IPAC-EDU.org, you know, with our friend, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack, doing great work, not conflicting with pharmaceutical or other economic interests. Uh, Energetic Health Institute we talk about as well. There are many others, but uh, I just want to shout out and say thank you to all of you that are stepping it up to make that difference, to be that difference, and to not wait for permission. Because the only permission you have to get is from God or you, yourself. Give yourself that permission. And I know what you're doing is not violating the rights of others in that process. If you are, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's just, I think I can't get any clearer than that. Uh, so, all right, what else we got? Uh, it was Jonathan E. Moore at Hour One. Uh, we have the article that he wrote about the, the victory in Northern Virginia that the media is really not reporting on the significance of that, as well as for Jonathan's uh, running for the United States Senate from Virginia to replace uh, Tim Kaine. Uh, Hillary and he Clinton. was on Fox and Friends. How cool is that? Yes. That was a great little 30 second clip we were able to play in the first hour. Yeah. I want to see him there a lot more. God, I, was, I was digging around, digging around, going like, where can I find this? He was on Fox and Friends. And I found out because I have I use Hulu mm-hmm. for my for my TV. And it turns out I had no idea. I just found it on a, on a chance that uh, they on, on Hulu, they um, they save those episodes for like so you can go a, find it and you can go find it. yesterday's awesome. episode of Fox and Friends. And I found it. and I was like, yeah, wow. cool. So, so did you send that to AJ, uh, the PR guy? Maybe uh, I didn't send the clip. No, yeah, but I, send I, that I did. Clip to him. That'd be cool. Yeah. We'd like to see again, more of you to share Jonathan E. Mort. He is a candidate of great integrity. He's a man of great integrity. He says what he believes. He doesn't mince words and you, you might agree or disagree with him, but you always know where he stands and he's not a politician, but he needs your help. We need to help him. Super Don and I are committed to helping as you know, and many of you are, but please go to emord4va.com. And and if you know anybody in Virginia or if you're in Virginia, please speak out about this man running for the U S Senate to do what he can to save our Republic, the constitution. And it's not just his role to do it and his job to do it, but He's taken on it for taking it on for his own family and his kids and their kids one day, as we all hope that we would do and are doing. So thank you for that. All right. What's going on in Rumble or any chat? All rooms? right. So, Jim. Hello, Jim. Marge. Stephen. Uh, Jim Gergis says hello. Hi, Jim. Um, uh, Jim was really excited about the carnivorous plant. <laughs> um and it was funny because because he didn't put it in there, but I, before he, I, I beat him to the punch because he said I yeah. love carnivorous plants, and I I typed in there carnivorous plant for the win because that's usually what he says, right? You know, type thing. So I beat well, him to the punch. How do you explain this? And this is a, a question, not a challenge, but that plant is definitely not vegan. Oh wow, boy, that. Hmm. I want you to think about that because that means. A non-vegan plant. animals yeah. to survive. Insects, mm. but nonetheless, you might find evidence of plants eating larger animals. What do you say? What say you? This is again. I, I would be willing to bet that if you went into the rainforest of, of in Brazil, that you might find a plant that might uh, might be kind of scary. Yeah, there's scary stuff in that in those them jungles. Now there are plants that can kill animals, and I mean larger animals. But most of the animals are smarter than humans. They know to avoid them. <laughs> it's the humans that go. Oh, I wonder what that is. Mm, dead, right? But the animals go. Well, we're pretty sure that's not for us. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, yes, you have carnivorous plants that eat basically 
animal life forms. Yeah, small Just birds. Saying. Just Interesting. Saying. Yeah. All right. We'll see what Jim has to say about that. Steve um, says if a plant was a vegan, it would be a cannibal. <laughs> Eh, not necessarily, because I mean, we we you know humans eat uh, uh, animals. That doesn't make us cannibals. No, but you're talking right? about eating your own plant life, eating plant life. That's what the analogy is in that case. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's see what else is going on out there in the chat room. Let's see. Isn't there? Oh, Steve asked. Isn't there a legally recognized method to annotate a contract when you're signing under duress? Yeah, you can actually write under threat, duress, and coercion. But if you do that, they will reject it, likely. The, the, so they wouldn't have had the ability to have the belief that they were going to get their mother or his wife. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, I was just thinking now, the uh, ivermectin. Sorry, so many things going through my head. But that's the thing. Yes, truly, you could write that on there. Or some have all uh, shortened it to TDC, threat, duress, coercion. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know what the, the, the argument would be. I don't think they could prove that these people were not under threat, duress, and coercion because they said, we're not going to give this to your mother. And they believe that if they if they did, uh, that their mother would live. And it's like, unless you sign this, tell me that's not at least duress. At least duress. I mean, that's yeah. absurd to claim that that's Well, not. and the crazy yeah. thing is, that, you know, just like, you know, in the situation where he had, like with Scott Shara, mm-hmm. how they put a, a, a do not resuscitate on right. her. And it's just like, Nobody said that they, you know that was the case, but they were like, "Well, yeah, but you did." And he's like, "No, I didn't. There's no record of it. There's not, they just do it, right?" Yeah. And in this case here, with with the story that we heard today, uh, you know, they they go th- they jump through all the hoops, twenty thousand dollars, you know, an attorney and all that kind of stuff like that. Finally, get to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to give her what you're asking us to give her, uh, and then some mystery shadowy person sends a an email saying, "Oh." She's all better now, doesn't need the medicine. Right. Who? What? Yeah. You know, is that a coincidence? I mean, is that, I mean, especially when they have the medical records and they can look and they say, no, she wasn't better. Yeah. But, but, you know, that kind of, those types of shenanigans that are going on behind the scenes, it's unfortunately more common than people believe. Yeah. Hey, how are Super Don's levels compared to mine, y'all? It sounded a little hot, but it's, your microphone sounds great. It's not like you're overdriven, but you know how it is if it shifts a little hotter. Did you guys hear the difference? And I just, like I said, we, we have to learn every day because something, some uh, bug in the ointment speaking of It should of bugs, be okay. Yeah, it sounds a little better now, but. Oh, was it up a little? Oh, uh, whatever. Yeah. I'll fix it in post. Sorry, guys, okay. if it is too loud, but yeah. <clears throat> I can't. You know, you'd think I've got faders, but, you know, it's like. You have a like a ghost in the machine is the best something, way to describe it. Something's going yeah. on there. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do we got going on tomorrow? Michael Bolden, 10th Amendment Center. Yay! Finally back. After his anniversary two weeks ago, he wouldn't show up. Yeah, well. He had a legitimate guess. excuse, I guess. We'll give him a, a free pass on that one. So <laughs> Michael Bolden, it looks like uh, hour one, it'll just be you and me. Oh, you and me in hour one? Wow, looks you and me in Super D hour. We don't get many of those anymore. Yeah, so we'll find don't some. Don't speak too loudly. Kevin might book somebody. Uh, yeah, well, that's okay if he does, but in our Sunday conversation, any, any, uh, uh, I don't have anything lined up for that yet, but we'll see what we can put together. Okay. All right. Anything else? Mm -hmm. Oh, one other thing here, uh, uh, a small change here. Uh, if you guys are interested in taking advantage of the special deal Mm -hmm. for the satellite, uh, 
Oh, the that satellite was. phone store. Yeah. Uh, my gosh. This one we had, store. we had Kevin call yeah. in from Israel on the sat phone the other day. It was phenomenal. And yep. uh, you want to send this to your loved ones that are, you know, far from you. If something happens, you could still have accessibility. It can even text sat123.com. Then, oh, it's a different phone number. Isn't it's it? a new phone number. Yeah. So this is the phone number you want to use if you want to give them a call. You know, and, you know, it's not like you can call them and ask questions. If you have questions sure. about it or how it works or what the, you know, what the deal is or anything like that, it's a toll free number, 866 535 0829. 866 535 0829 asking about the special deal where you get the phone for free. You sign up for the service. Mm-hmm. It gives you what, what did they say? It was a hundred, 120 minutes, I think 120 minutes a month. And, and if you um, don't use it, it rolls over. Yeah. Well, let's say you didn't have to use it for 10 months. You got 1,200 minutes to use in a, in a serious grid down scenario where you would be using a lot of it. All right. And so in a, in a, in a time normal. like, like what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. You know, the, I, I believe that right now this is, one of the more dangerous times that we have been living in as far as threats to things like, uh, you know, our safety and uh, threats of uh, possible terrorist attacks. I think it's real. I feel like it's real. Yeah. Um, and so to have something like that, it's well worth it. It's, it's well worth to have something like that because if, if communication goes down, Mm-hmm. You're going to be one of the few probably living on your block that's going to have the ability to be able to to communicate yeah. if you've got one of these. Mm. So anyway, that's that's the the new phone number on that. Yep. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else we need to cover today? Any other? Is there anything going on also in Rumble? I think you, you were looking at Rumble already, though. Anybody responded to vegetarian plants or non-vegetarian plants? Yeah. Jim has a question. Next time we get Emord on, we didn't get to it today. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He didn't remind me ahead of time. Oh yeah. He wants to know about uh, Jonathan's take on the ag gag laws. Okay. So, so do we have do a me a favor? On on, yeah. No, I'd have to look up and find. Or actually, Jim, you know, if you if there is a link to that, so I know what it is. Um, I'll make sure that he gets that. I'll put it. I'll mm-hmm. put it on my list of things for him yeah. for next time that he's on. So shoot me a link. Get me also, a, link. a general reminder, the Propaganda Exposed uh, eight or nine part series. I think we might be on the tail end of it right now. And you might have seen it, but maybe have, you had friends that weren't ready for it before and are. Uh, they're probably going to do a replay weekend. I'm not sure, but we, we should have that link somewhere, hopefully, uh, that you can access it. Propaganda Exposed, a uh, great series. And, yes. and as I said, people wouldn't believe it, didn't want to see it. They were put on a list of, you know, the dirty dozen. We've got, we've got the banners on the website if you can get to we the do. website. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, um, I was able to load it finally. So. Jim Garrigus is asking if there's a website for the satellite phone. It is, yes, it is sat, S-A-T, sat123.com. Yeah. Easy please to remember, sat123.com. the RSB show when you're, if you do call them or connect with them to get the deal and say thanks. Yep. We appreciate them. So I think you sign, it's, you sign up for the service, you get the phone for free. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we had we had Kevin call in from Israel. Yeah, with his that was so cool. That was awesome. Yeah, really awesome. We got uh, loads of stuff there. Links up. Uh, we got banners up there. You can support us on Patreon. We got to look at the calendar. You want to do that real quick and see if we have a viable day um, this this week? I mean, this sure. month. Yeah, I've got it open right now. <clears throat> uh, now. We're looking like uh, now, oh yeah. See. So November, we've got what Thanksgiving, which is on what the twenty what? 
What day is Thanksgiving? 23rd. Thursday, 23rd? 23rd. Yeah. And we usually take that day after off and make that a long weekend. Right. Right. So what about, uh, what about the 27th? Well, Jim Garrigus asked me to be on their uh, advanced medicine Monday. What time is that? Because normally we would do, um, I think, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on that Monday. Mm-hmm. What time is the uh, advanced medicine Monday thing that Jim Garrigus hosts on Clubhouse or whatever? Do you know? Is Jim still with us? He can tell us. He's in the chat room. Okay. On, on uh, Rumble. Because we were going to do it the 20th, but he said nobody wants to be on the week of Thanksgiving. I don't know. Is that oh. true? <laughs> the whole week of Thanksgiving? I know. I don't see what's wrong with Monday the 20th, Come but on, maybe some people man. find Really? That. Really? You're, you're like already celebrating on the 20th? Apparently. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, if, if that uh, conflicts with the 27th, did Jim put a time on that? Is he listening? Uh, I'm waiting. So Jim, let us know what you need to know, what the day and the time. No, the 27th is I'm sure is what he said. I I said Uh, I was available for it, but the question is what time, what time is the advanced medicine Monday on uh, November 27th, Seven thirty central time. He says central. So that's what? Six 30, five 30. So we're starting. So it would conflict with when we would normally do our AMA. All right, we can, uh, we don't have to do it on a Monday. What if we did it on uh, the twenty? Well, let's see. You've got you've got something going on the twenty eighth at uh, exactly five. that time again. About so twenty you know, ninth would be Wednesday, twenty ninth or thirtieth, I guess. Do you Wednesday want to do a Wednesday? We've never. I don't think we've ever done a Wednesday. We haven't done a Wednesday before. So let's do this then. The twenty ninth of November, which is a Wednesday. Will be our next Zoom AMA. It'll be 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll see who shows up. We hopefully that you'll be able. We hope you'll be able to do that. All right. And if you don't catch it live, you can catch it later because the video and everything is saved to Patreon. Uh, If you'd like to become a patron supporter, you can be part of the Zoom AMA, a monthly thing, and we do lots of fun giveaways, lots of prizes. Often much more profitable for you to give us a little bit to get a lot in return that you can actually measure in in terms of, you know, what you've given. But I'm grateful that we can give those things away, and I'm thankful uh, to those that help support us to do that. All right, it's official Wednesday, the 29th, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's our AMA. Okay. We try to do a weekday evening and uh, the Saturday, you know, try to flip-flop when we can a Saturday day, uh, and this is the weekday one. (sighs) All right, uh, what else? Uh, If you want to get the... Relax sauna. Remember the code is RSB to get a hundred bucks off. I, I got to talk with Phil because we might be able to get a, even a bigger deal coming up, you know, for the, the Thanksgiving holiday or something like that. So if you've been waiting, I'm going to let you know, we're going to do a deal real, real soon on that. Um, also, you know, RSB is the code for the discount ongoing discounts that you get with cardio miracle. And uh, the RSB 15 is the code for, you still have that place on the website where they can go to all the different codes. I don't know if you've added the latest stuff or not, but. Sorry. Were you, were you talking to me? Never mind. I'm sorry. I had something playing in my ear. Oh, okay. No worries. I missed, I missed what I, you said. There. It was just about the update of the special place where you go more on the tab and then oh. look at all the discounts, you know, that are available yeah. to things. It's all what right there. It? Yeah. I didn't know if there were any updates that were needed or anything. I don't like, think so. Okay. Um, 
Also, that tab will take you to the homeopathic hits, which should be updated now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It will be the home for the detox dialogues, which we we need to fit one of those in this month. That was the that was the plan. Yeah, detox dialogue, huh? All right. Yeah, and I've got a couple other ones too that will Mm -hmm. eventually roll out. Uh, They're going to be just like that, having to do with nutrition and nutrients and and, Mm -hmm. uh, trace minerals and stuff. Yeah, and also one about herbal remedies. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're freaking out when I say that. You don't even want you you want to just be like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, the the idea of it, right, is like is almost a little bit uh, uh, overwhelming. Mm, Yeah. Well. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a challenge. We go. We got to deal with these things in life. It's all yes. right. We'll get there. <sighs> all right. I'm not trying to freak you out, man. I know. I know. You're doing good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Any other comments before we wrap it up today? Looking at it, uh, was uh, Drosera was the homeopathic hit today. That was cool. Um, I like it when some of them come up that Super Don has never heard of. Like was yesterday, Simi Sifuga. Mm-hmm. That That's was an awesome fun. one for the. Did you yeah. like that I dedicated like long distance dedication to the ladies when we have a, a specific one that really is targeted toward women? Well, case of case, I'm going on. I here. think that was awesome. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that poll question of the day answered, you know, in the newsletter about how many people are using homeopathy. I was, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm still of the mindset that we're in such the minority. I forget sometimes that, you know, we're a majority here. <laughs> In this in this family, uh, so you guys put up with me not thinking that way, and uh, we eventually get there. I eventually get there. Super Don's way ahead of me. Light years, light years. Yeah, definitely. And you got a wedding coming up. Is it next weekend or this weekend? Yeah, my daughter's getting married on the nineteenth, so it's ten days from today. So it's uh, a week from Sunday. So a week from Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that'll be great when that's behind you. Yeah. It's, I want, it's, I want it's, pictures of your, your uh, sky blue tux with ruffles. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know. I, I, I think it's just a black, I think it's just, I'm pretty sure. I don't yeah. even know what it is, what I want to wearing. It's not my choice. It's, it's my, my future son-in-law's choice. So, okay. Uh, he's picked out the style and stuff like that. I, I got measured for, you know, to what to wear and stuff. All I know is I have an olive green bow tie. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So olive green, huh? Yep. Her colors are like fall colors. So it's, you know, it's like the, the fall. fall wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be cool. Did you get your neck measurement and everything? I did. It's like an 18 or something like that, I think. Very good. <clears throat> I used to wear a 16 and a half. Uh-oh. That's an inch <laughs> and a half on the neck. But that's going to change. That's yes. going to change uh, after the first of the year. I've got some some goals that I'm setting. You really are setting up for a New Year's revolution of your own, then. Yep. That's we talked good. about that. We'll support you in any way we can on that. I've got a guy. Yeah, you know what? I, I know a guy that can uh, that guy, that can guide me and help me on that situation it was interesting at the gym this morning uh the um they, they're trying to do more uh partnerships with local businesses that are com- complementary and there's i forget the name of it but it's like a stretching place you go and they stretch you oh like put you on a rack and yeah turn the honestly, wheel they they put a seatbelt <laughs> on you and they're pu- pulling you and pushing you in all different directions and for an extra 50 bucks we'll draw and quarter you as well yeah i don't think it'll go that far but oh, okay uh it's you know it's fascinating for me to see that and 
you know, I tested it. I tried it out. It's like, yeah, oh, go ahead and stretch me. I could use it today. I'm so sore. Uh, but think about the luxury of, I mean, this is something that in a real economic downturn, you know, not to say anything bad about the business, because I think it's a, it's a really good service and it can help people, no doubt. But, you know, if you think about, you know, you got to eat and pay rent or have someone stretch you. It's a little bit of a luxury <laughs> item, isn't it? You know, if you're doing well and you're like, dude, I'll just have somebody stretch me because I can't be bothered to stretch myself. Yeah. Uh, but it is a cool service. I have to say, really it's helpful stretching. So, I mean, they literally like strap you onto something and like, just like, yeah, like stretch you. Yeah. I mean, they don't put you on a rack and pull you apart. I mean, it's done by hand. I mean, the guy's working it or whatever, uh, but it's you know like, uh, what I, I, I haven't done in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Is is use one of those inversion um oh, things, I remember, yeah. yeah, you yeah. know where you can like you know put yourself in enough angle that you know that it, it creates it, like, some level of traction for the lower oh, the lumbar especially. I would yeah. love to get one of good. those yeah. and do that again because that just uh, makes a huge difference. You could probably find one on whatever Craigslist is anymore. They yeah. people be selling things like that cheap. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So propaganda exposed episode eight is on for a few more hours. Was there an episode nine coming? I forget. I believe there is an episode nine. Yes. Well, look what Steve is. He's such a kidder. What he's. Was the same? Will there possibly be an RSB versus SD boxing match in the making? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Or will a Musk versus Zuckerberg bout happen first? Why do you want to see us battle in the ring? What, what would be the purpose of that? All I want to do is see Super Don get into awesome shape. That's all. Better. I'll, I'll settle for better shape. Better shape. Okay. But, um, yeah. I don't need to be pugilistic with Super D. We, we <laughs> battle it out behind the scenes all the time anyway, right? Um, I need to get beat up by the I don't know. I might use my kung fu against your kickboxing. Yeah. We'll see how. <laughs> you ever watch those videos that they have on YouTube where it's like, you know, kung fu versus karate or, oh, you know, I, where I, they, I haven't purposefully looked, but I know they exist. They I do. Saw, I saw one thing. I think it was, it might have been on Instagram, like one of the our friends. I think, uh, John, who's with uh, Green Smoothie Girl, he's like very much into the, the thing. And I think that he posted something that was wild where uh, I think it was a kickboxing thing of some kind, but a guy, you know, is going in fists, right? Going in towards him. And the guy coming at him does a, like a flip in the air and catches him on the backside around with the foot that you never see coming. It wasn't like a round. I mean, it's literally, I don't know what the guy's doing. And suddenly, trailing was the foot that knocked the guy out instantly mm, no. it's like i'd never seen a move like that not even in the movies that was like you'd think in the movies that would be fake and that would really happen right i'll so. tell you i mean i've watched a lot of those because i i i'm into that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh and time and time and time and time again mm-hmm. the mma guy yeah beats everybody it just, it's, it's an, I mean, it just, do they, it doesn't. Do they beat them because they get them on the ground? It's the ground game they that wins? They beat them because, you know, a guy, a true, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, a trained, well-trained MMA fighter mm-hmm. is, is, um, they just, they're far better suited for, you know, just, just a plain, uh, you know, flat out uh, street fight. Or yeah. in the ring, you know, type thing. Yeah. And, you know, they'll take like a Taekwondo master versus right. MMA. Yeah. Kicks his butt, you know. Yeah, I think. Kung Fu it, guy, MMA. And it just, it, every time uh, the MMA guys always end up winning in that situation. What about the <clears throat> the thought? Is it true for most of you? Do you know this? Anybody know this? That they say all fights usually end up on the ground anyway. 
yeah. so that if you don't well, have a ground game, the vast majority of people in MMA, what they train uh, yeah. is jujitsu, right. which that's what that's it's it's designed for. It's a grappling, yeah. uh, you know, sport uh, that that specializes more in submissions than it does in uh, in anything else. So, you know, when you, you get see, a lot of these guys that, that train in Taekwondo and you know and all this stuff mm-hmm. like that, there there's not as much <clears throat> grappling yeah, going on. Yeah, you've got the rules of refinement of a certain kind of style, and within that style, you can excel. But then you enter into another rule where you can go down on the ground and start doing things like wrestlers and jujitsu people know, and you don't. Yeah, you're done. Now, I saw on the news. In fact, this made the news. A guy who was threatened with a guy holding a giant big knife. Uh, and and he was a former kind of MMA guy, and he just charged him, took him down, and disarmed him and just chokeholded him until the police came. Mm-hmm. That was like a, another example of having a ground game is an important part of defense unless you know how to knock somebody out. The only thing that would then balance the odds is we talk about that, the right to keep and bear arms, if you're genuinely threatened with your life uh, that you have, especially if you're not able to fight, the great equalizer is having and being able to use a firearm in defense of your life or liberty or property, et cetera. But yeah. if you're going into a battle where you're hand to hand, yeah, I mean, I, I don't pretend to, to, to be able to whoop up on anybody. I mean, that's not my intent for doing it anyway. I'm doing it for fitness, but it's right. good to know some basics still of self-defense. But again, the second <laughs> amendment was all about equalizing the, the, the playing field, so to speak. All right. Good talk, man. Good talk. Yeah, man. Propaganda Exposed Episode 9 is the finale tonight. Okay. Thanks, Steve, for reminding us that. Uh, and let's see. Sumo versus MMA might be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. That's all I got. Look That's at that. That's all you got? We've gone 40 minutes over now. You got a lot. Oh, you went 40 minutes over? How did we get here? Uh, I know, all right. I was finally, I don't have to run and do something other than, you know, basic stuff. But yeah, I didn't have an appointment, so that gave me some freedom here. So tomorrow, Michael Bolden joins us in hour two. You, me, and Super D, hour one. If you guys got any thoughts on who I should interview for the Sunday conversation, even if it's you, yourself, let me know. And uh, we'll put that into the play as soon as possible as well. Maybe even tomorrow. There was somebody we were talking about, was it yesterday or day before you were like, God, that'd be like a great guest for. Oh, David Young. I should reach out to David Young. Yeah, reach Young. out. Reach out to yeah. him. I think that'd I be cool. When he's available, but that's a good idea too. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All so, right, man. Okay. Thanks all for being here. Thank you to Jonathan E. Mort. Thank you as well uh, to Don Downs and Kara Downs Bookman for being on to share there. Oh, man, it's a brutal story, another one of them. But we had to cover it. I'm glad we did, but it's just, oof, yeah. it takes some stramonium when the anger kicks in that hard. So, And a last shout-out, Nutritional Frontiers, nutritionalfrontiers.com, Trinity School of Natural Health. We appreciate your support mm-hmm. and helping us do what we do. Yeah, thank you all. Big hugs all, all the way around. Please share the Robert Scott Bell Show, two hours a day, five days a week with an additional hour on Sunday for our Sunday conversations. All right. God willing, we'll see you less than 22 hours from now. See you then.